coming up on episode 120 of Pixel Gaiden. We discuss retro TV commercials, Tim's Crash Christmas special, Cody reviews Asteroids Recharged, we catch up on the news, we announce lots of upcoming retro releases, Battle of the Falling Block Puzzlers, The Evil Gnome Steals More Pants, Are We Doing Incense Reviews Now? And Cody and Eric discuss their wish list. Coming live from the Sacramento Valley, it's Pixel Gaiden, and I'm looking out the window, Cody, and I see a baby in a manger. Oh, it must be Christmas time, Eric. It's Christmas time <laughs> in the city. Actually, no. Should I be worried about this? Why? What is what is a, a baby doing out in the street outside of your house? Yeah, and there's not a lot of mangers out here in Elk Grove. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it, now it went from cute and, and warm and cozy to weird real quick. That's right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Pixel Guide N. My name is Cody Hoffman. And I'm Eric Nelson. And Eric, if you are looking for what now? Uh, retro games, <laughs> retro-inspired games, uh, banter. Um, well done. I was listening. Oh, you're in the right place was the finish to that, exactly. that setup. <laughs> I was listening to uh, our one of our episodes last month because I'm a narcissist and I listen to my own podcast. Um. And uh, I was laughing because I tried to toss that up to you last time, and it took you like 30 seconds to answer. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to do that, especially if it's the second episode and we've been drinking a little bit. I, I, I will lose the plot really quick. Oh, man, good stuff. But yes, it is December. This is uh, our our Christmas episode, our holiday episode. Um, and then, of course, the next episode this month, which comes out on the 30th, will be after Christmas. Uh, so we're going to pack all the holiday goodness in now if we can. However, that being said, uh, we do have a couple leftover things that will be Christmas things in that episode. But real quick, let me just run down what you're going to hear on episode 120 of Pixel Guide In. We will start, as we almost always do, more to come on that later, with some quick questions. Uh, tea time with Tim. And... Uh, Tim is going to bless us both on this episode and next episode. So he is back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Tim, for coming back. Um, his just says Crash, Crash Christmas Special 1984. So I haven't heard it. I'm assuming he's talking about Crash Magazine and their Christmas special. Yeah, that's what I assume. So, But I'm looking forward <laughs> to listening to it. Same here. Uh, I did a Cody's Corner, uh, my third game of the uh, Atari Recharged series. I'm going to cover Asteroids Recharged. Uh, Eric and I will catch up on some news, let you know what's big and happening out there in the world of retro and retro-inspired video gaming. And then we will finish this episode out with a battle of the systems in which we cover what style of games, Eric? We are covering, uh, I guess, uh, maybe you'll agree with me on this. I call them falling block puzzle games. I do agree with you. And one is... And there's many names for this game, so you're going to have to help me out here. Money Puzzle Exchanger, yep. Money Idol Exchanger, 
Yep. And then I even had a third money, one. I don't remember what money it is. puzzle idol exchange puzzle money. Exactly. But yes. it's from it's a Neo Geo game. It was a Neo Geo MVS game versus Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Which there's only one name for that, although it's even harder than the other one. <laughs> it is. It's very confusing. <laughs> Too many words. It's really um, just Super Street was, Fighter 2 it, Turbo with the t- t- yep. fighter taken out. out. Yeah. That one came out on a couple different platforms, but it was an arcade game. Both of these were arcade games initially. Yeah, we'll talk more about that at the time. But yep. um, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, Eric, anything anything going on since the last episode in your world before we hop into quick questions? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm in full swing for daughter's volleyball again, so I'm traveling a lot. So I'm I'm armed with my uh, switch, which is uh, there you go making a comeback because it fell behind the steam deck in my attention. Um, but I've been using both of those and trying to play on the road. And um, I thought when you said you were armed with your switch, you were like holding a large stick to fight off all those volleyball moms that were like trying to <laughs> cuddle up with you on the bleachers or something like, no, nope, away. there is no cuddling, <laughs> no cuddling allowed. Um, but no, it was, uh, it, I've just been really busy once again. I thought I'd get a little break of a month or two, but it turned out to be far less than that. Um, uh, but I'm not complaining. I've, I've been able to make the best use of my time and, um, we've just been getting ready for Christmas around here, decking the halls, Ooh, decking. et cetera, et cetera. I love decking. Um, been ma- making sure that manger baby out there is okay in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the street out my window. Set a timer every four hours, check on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I'm similar case here. My daughter's been doing basketball instead of volleyball this time of year. She's she's doing basketball, and uh, it is a crazy schedule. So that is well, both daughters are doing basketball. Um, oh wow! But one's in high school basketball, and that's even crazier than middle school basketball. So that's pretty much been my world. But I got some gaming in, and that's what we're going to talk about this episode. So without further ado, let's hop on into some quick questions. Quick questions. So the first one we have is from our good buddy, Pajaco6502. Pajaco. He always, he always comes in clutch with the questions, which I appreciate. Um, Pajaco writes asks, half our show. <laughs> exactly, yep. The, the more British half, is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, do you have a favorite retro TV Christmas advert that you remember as a kid? I know what I like here. He said advert, which is very British, but he said favorite and spelt it the American way. So I appreciate he, the attention he, to the detail there, Pajaka. He did. He did. Unlike Mitsuyama, who later throws a big old OU in the middle of that. Oh, puppy. and then puts an S in categorized, too. I noticed that. Oh, no, my right goodness off, gracious. Right off the bat. Um, yeah, and it, and it was funny when I first read this, I was like, do you have a favorite retro TV Christmas advert that you remember as a kid? But they wouldn't have been retro then. So it would have been like, I think it was retro gaming TV Christmas advert. Oh, yeah. You yeah, get yeah, what I'm saying? Because yeah. back then, it, the a retro one would have been like Pong or something or something from way, way back. But yeah. Um, but I digress. I get what he means here. Um, hey, I'm going to be a stick of mud here. I, mm-hmm. I don't can't recollect off the top of my mind any of them. But I do okay. know every time I see like collections of them on, on like YouTube and stuff. I like they all flood back to me and I remember many of them. Yep. Um, so the only one that pops into my mind, I can't even pretend that this is my favorite, but it's the one that pops into my mind, um, would be, there was one they did for Zelda and they're calling okay. out the different names of these creatures. And at the end, for some reason, a young Paul Rudd ends up like pointing up at the camera 
Yeah, I like remember he's that like, one. He's blown away by this Ninten- this new fandangled Nintendo machine. Yeah. I remember that one off the top of my head, so I guess I'll go with that. Otherwise, I'll just go with any of the the Sega Genesis commercials where the guy yells Sega and screams in your face. Yeah, Sega. and I don't... I know, unfortunately, I don't remember a ton of those. Um, I don't know why. I know they were on TV, and I did see them, but I didn't see a lot of them. But No, what um, I will say about all all of the old retro uh, advertisements, if you will, that were on TV that I do appreciate is more than half of what you see in those commercials is actual video game gameplay footage. Yeah. So you knew what you were being sold. That's right. Now, nowadays, the first like six months to a year is just like weird 3D rendered cutscenes and stuff. And then they're like, show a date, that the release date. And you're like, yeah, but what kind of game is it? I still don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know? Yep. Many years ago, and I'll answer this question in just a second, but many years ago, I wanted to like mount a TV in the game room that just played retro gaming commercials. That's a good use for a Raspberry Pi 2 that you have laying around. Exactly. And just make them over, go over and over again, of, you know, because there are hours of them on YouTube and you could That's get awesome. a pretty good playlist. And that would be pretty neat. But anyway, I digress. So one, only one sticks out in my mind, and it was transformative. Mm-hmm. In that, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, we got an Atari fifty two hundred late. Like it was, we didn't get it like when it came out. We got it like two or three years later when it was on sale. And I remember there was a commercial on TV that me and my sister saw, and I think it was like in nineteen eighty four. And it was the Atari fifty two hundred, and it basically went through like, hey, discover like arcade, you know, classics and. I remember in particular there was uh, Dig Dug, Joust, and like real sports baseball or something, and they showed images of that, and I was like, those look like the arcade, you know, because I loved Joust like the most, and this looked like it didn't look like the twenty six hundred one, which is yeah, yeah, crappy. It looked big like jump. the arcade. It was a big jump, and I remember just being like, oh wow, and then it had all these eighties guys with their co- with their colors popped, you know. Wearing um, members only jackets. Exactly. It, it seriously was big feathered hair and stuff. And they were just showing real, like you were just saying, real game footage of the Atari 5200 classics. And, and I've that one, and I found it right before the show. I was looking it up on YouTube and it's on there. If anyone wants to look it up called Atari, it's called Atari 5200 super system commercial, 1984. I love the and, super uh, system. And, uh, I, that was and, and so I remember we were sitting we were watching that. <clears throat> I think it came on during like the A team or something. <laughs> we were watching it, <laughs> but I remember my mom and dad were watching it with us, and they were. I think they took mental note because that Christmas we got the Atari fifty two hundred. Perfect. So, like my family, you got your system at the end of the life cycle. Yep, same here. <laughs> for half off with a couple games, and it came thrown in. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Exactly. The next question is from me, and it's a simple one, Eric. And it's yeah. one I ask every time this year, but what video game-related items do you have on your Christmas list, Eric? See, and that's going to be tough, because here's here's what we're doing for Christmas. We're doing something completely different. We uh, are... Lame, lame Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but we decided to uh, throw off the shackles of commercialism. Ooh, I like and it. And, and then are, you gifted your, your wife a, a baby in a manger, and that's why it's out outside in front of your house? <laughs> I, I'm hiding it in plain sight out in the street, <laughs> out my window. The manger baby is out there. I got you um, another child. 
um, it, what, what we're doing is we're each getting, e we're, we're each getting each other one gift. That's it. And then mm -hmm, we're mm -hmm. also getting stuff we can put in stockings, like candy and crap. Um, and hopefully little bottles of liquor, but, um, <laughs> but so we're doing that. And so honestly to, I mean, I don't have any video game stuff on my list at all. There's nothing video game related. So kind of a bummer, all right. All right. bummer answer, but that's, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Are you getting uh, well, I guess we can't talk about on the show here, what you're getting for other people. So exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's funny. So on, on my list, I, one thing I actually put on this year. See, my my wife hates getting me things I ask for. Is that, is that a normal? Is that a normal response for many spouses? Well, that's one of the reasons <laughs> we're doing what we're doing. My wife hates like when I when I give her a list of what I want. Like here, this is what I want. She hates that. It's like I'm not going to get you what I want. I'm going to get you something you don't want that I want you to have. Exactly. Like, okay. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Anyways, um, so it's funny. Uh, I do have a, a list out there. Got some, got a couple knives on there, Eric. Got a couple knives no. on there, you know. Um, and I've got, I just kind of put on there like, a, you know, Nintendo Switch eShop gift card, something like oh, that. Because there's something about going on eShop, knowing you already have money loaded on there, that makes it easier for you to feel for me to go buy games, especially if they're not like on super sale. Because yeah. I am hesitant. Um, you know, I'm definitely one of those guys that will sit there drinking a five dollar. Uh, fancy coffee while you know deciding whether or not I should spend one ninety nine on an app on my phone or if I should wait yeah. for it to go a dollar off on sale. Yeah, so I I, I have weird paradoxes <laughs> like that too. Um, but the other thing that I I did is I couldn't I couldn't hold off this year. The Black Friday sales were so good that I just bought myself some things and I gave them to my wife to wrap. <laughs> That's <laughs> which perfect. you did last year, I think. So. Yeah. That's like, perfect. This, this will save us money, and I want them. So here, Merry Christmas. I gave you the gift of giving me something I want at a good price. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Uh, this one's from you, Eric. So we got, we got yep. two more. We're front-loading the... We're, so I didn't mention this. We're doing all our quick questions this time because we've got a, a loaded show for the next yeah. one. Because we want Tim. We got Tim finally back, so we're going we're gonna to make that episode big. So, in, in fact, real quick, let me just go over that for us. So, it's going to yeah. start off with a, an Eric's take, which you're going to talk about something called the U console. Eric, I don't know what that means, but can't wait to find out because it sounds yeah. generic. But I'm sure it's not <laughs> <laughs> the U console. Uh, Tim's got a, a what do you call it? A super fantabulous expialidocious holiday game show. Crash. Oh, the the game show is what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He had a really big name for it. Um, here we go. Tim's super fantastic holly tinsel covered and gift wrapped holiday season game show. Three exclamation points. Then we're going to catch up with Tim, which it's been a few months, so that will be good. Uh, we have our six good games segment in which we're going to talk about six good snow games. Yay. <laughs> games snow. with snow. And uh, wrap up the episode and the year with our best of 2023 Yes. Year end event slash twenty minute segment. Challenging segment we ever do. We don't take good notes, do we? We don't. And I'm I'm making a New <laughs> Year's resolution right now because this is December episodes for January. 
I'm going to have a spreadsheet open when we do the podcast and I'm recording all the beers we drink. Um, and there was one other thing I was going to put down there. See, and I forgot it because my memory is so shot. There you go. I think I'm going to keep a spreadsheet of that. Let's keep a spreadsheet of all of the amazing things that we sell uh that frank sells over at retrorewind.ca our show sponsor eric indeed indeed if we're catching up with frank we gotta catch up with him soon too absolutely so if you want anything for your commodore computers or your tandy coco series of computers head on down to retrorewind.ca again an amazing show sponsor we have had for quite a while now we're very happy to they uh to to represent them here on the show but uh you know everyone's got uh, uh, Commodore 64s and they've got your you've got your Amigas although you probably have five different types of Amigas and you need to get parts and things for those of course you can get that stuff down at retrorewind.ca but Eric we often forget when neglect to talk about the simpler computers that Commodore came out with such as the Commodore 16 the Commodore Plus 4 and your beloved Vic 20 your original mm-hmm. love so uh, if you need things for these computers, head on down to RetroRewind.ca. Of course, we always talk about the capacitor kits that Frank sells over there for any of your computers. But did you know they had a Commodore 8-bit keyboard tester? This is a cool little cart with some, some dongles and things in there you plug in. And for the low, low price of currently $22, you can measure the resistance of every key on an 8-bit Commodore keyboard. That's pretty That's cool. Important. That's important because those keyboards do go bad and you need to test them and replace parts as needed. As needed. And get your uh, your erasers out to clean those traces. Uh, yep. You can also get the kernel ROM for your C16M plus four computers. Um, let's see what else. You got Jiffy DOS for the VIC-20 if you want to go that route. Uh, you've got your, your uh, cart, what do you call it, PCB, so you can make your own cartridges. All kinds of cool stuff down there. Not to mention that um, I'm sure some of the Commodore 64 parts that are used here in the Commodore 64 section can help you replace and fix up some of your hardware for not only your Commodore 64, but the VIC-20 as well. Um, some cool things we've mentioned on the show before, like the little standoffs that always snap when you open the cap, the, the uh, yeah. shell on your Commodore. It's got like little replacement uh, brackets and things like that you can pop in there. Uh, not to mention all the cool carts and things like that for your Commodore 64. And of course, if any of your computers are not working, you can also send them into Retro Rewind for a fix and for a very low fee and very reasonable shipping. Come right back to your house in beautiful working condition. Um, and Eric, the last good news, a little, a little gift you can give the entire listenership right now. Yes. If you log in to the website and use the code PG10, you will get an additional 10% off of the already low prices with Frank. And, and I know that sounds cliche, but the truth is he has some of the lowest prices around. Like, especially, like, I love Jiffy DOS. I think it's, for Commodore, it's almost necessary. And they're only eight bucks. You can get the chips, pop them in. Bob's your uncle. Your rig is Jiffy fast DOS. again. But you can get an additional 10% off using PG10 at RetroRewind.ca. Perfect. All your needs. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Our third and second to last quick question, Eric. Yep. So this is my question. The evil gnome. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ah, what happened to your pants? He has stolen your pants. As you've heard. And made you take a three-month hiatus from recording the show. Yogurt! Mm-hmm. <laughs> are there any games you want to play modern or retro 
that you haven't been able to due to time constraints. So you must have one loaded in your head. Otherwise, you wouldn't have, have asked a, this question. I have a couple of things. Yeah, there and there are games I've had for now over a year that I just can't get to. But go ahead. Do you have anything in mind? Do you have any big games I, that you just haven't played because you just don't have the time? I have a list. I, I mean... I, honestly, as much as there's so many things I would love to get into and really dig into, um, mm-hmm. I have started Sam's Journey, have not dug into it nearly enough. So if that one's that, still on the list. That's a good one, too. But realistically, Eric, um, yeah. I'm glad you said modern or retro, because realistically, every time I see the cover for Far Cry 6 out there, I'm like, oh, is it really? Is it time to start another Far Cry? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I kind of want to start another Far Cry. They're so... I don't know what it is about them. They're just... Oh, I love them. You sit home. You come home. You throw yourself in a beanbag chair. You crack open a beer. And you sit for four hours and don't realize where the time has gone. And just go, wow, that was... I couldn't tell you what I did for four hours, but I liked it. It's a guilty pleasure because it does take up so much time. But they're so... They're so great. (laughs) I really want to, honestly, just sit in here for like a full day or a full three months... And uh, we'll talk about more about it later, I'm sure. But play around with this bark bit, yeah, and, and start digging into all these games uh, for systems that I've been wanting to get in a, a, an SD card solution for forever. And that's back bit. Back <laughs> you bit. Said bark Thank bit. you. I did say <laughs> which, bark which bit, which actually sounds familiar. Uh, it does bit. sound familiar, doesn't it? That's yeah. funny. Bark bit. Yeah. yeah. We're announcing our Pixel Guiden card yeah, now that- called Bark Bit. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> No, uh, man, I am loving that. And I, I didn't even put this in our notes at all, but I do plan on buying some more adapters. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. Like the ones I have yeah. are working great. I love it. I love that it's one SD card, one cartridge, and then multiple adapters. I love it. And I am placing an order probably within the week for two more adapters. One's going to be for the VIC-20. Um, and I'm looking at, at getting it. I don't want to do just one. I'm going to try to add another. Oh, you gotta, yeah, you got you to gotta add to them. Yeah. So did you have a one in mind? Yeah, I do. I have a couple. Um, I really love Baldur's Gate 3, and that is retro-inspired, so that we can talk about that. But I will start it. I'll make a character like you do in D&D. You spend four hours making a character, and yep. then like you play for two, and then you get busy, and then you got to go back, and then you, you're like, well, I'm just going to make a different character, and you spend four more hours making another character. <laughs> and I keep doing that, and I've restarted Baldur's Gate 3 three times, and I get like... I'm not even, there's three acts, acts in the game, I think. And I've never even finished act one. And my neighbor has now, I think, beaten it twice. And I got him hooked on the game. Oh, yeah. Um, so you have that effect. Yep. So I got him hooked on the game and then his brother is buying it. And I'm like, I keep, whenever we hang out and drink beer, he tells me all about it. And I get so jealous. I'm just like, Man, I, I want to play this game. It's it sounds so amazing, and I just don't have the time for that. Uh, but man, now that you say Far Cry Six, I started that game and I never finished it, and that is an excellent oh, choice. Now you've got um, I got about halfway through side. it though. I'm, I made a good way through it. So cool. Uh, the next one comes from Mitsuyama, who, by yes. the way, writes the other half of our show. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite piece of video game music? Perhaps categorize your answers by music using sound chips on 8-bit systems, sound chips on 16-bit systems, and CD, audio, MP3, wave, etc. That's a lot. How about we just throw out a few of our favorites? (laughs) 
<laughs> yep. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I, I did take a few little notes because I didn't want to forget. Um, okay. Uh, but I did forget that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, um, so I'll answer first, if you don't mind. Sure. So for 8-bit, it's, of course, really, I mean, other than the Atari 5200, which didn't have great sound, um, I had the Commodore 64. And that's all I had for 8-bit consoles of any kind. Um, and my two favorite SIDs, which we've talked about numerous times on the show, are Master of Magic, which was a game. It was a good game. It wasn't a great game, but it was a good game. Mm-hmm. 64 but the i can still hear the music in my mind i yeah, love it's cool that. i remember you playing it master of magic um and then of course i remember when i <clears throat> pirated commando <laughs> that sid in commando is still i can still i can still play that back in my mind because i i would literally turn the game on and it was on the title screen and i could ju- i would leave it playing in my bedroom while doing math uh, homework and stuff just yep oh man <laughs> It's so good. I love that one. So that's 8-bit. 16-bit, even though I never beat the game, Chrono Trigger has some of the best music, in my opinion, of any video game ever. Okay, Um, yeah. I love Chrono Trigger. The the soundtrack to that is amazing. Um, Streets of Rage 2, my favorite Genesis game, even though I didn't have a Genesis back in the day, I love the music in Streets of Rage 2. Uh, Fantastic soundtrack. And then the only one I'm going to add is a CD-based one, which I just thought of off the top of my head right now, is probably uh, what here, it's Jet Set Radio? Or am I getting yeah. that wrong? Jet Grind Radio here. Jet Grind Radio, Jet Set Radio in the in uh, Europe, I think. But I always liked that one. I thought that was a, a fun, I don't know if it's like music I'd listen to in my off time or anything, but it's one that I think is good music. Yeah. Yeah, I'll burn through these really quick. Uh, for the... I don't, uh, nothing... There's a lot of songs I kind of enjoy on the Commodore 64. A lot of... Most of them are modern, so I'm not going to really pick them. Um, I, so n- not one in particular pops out to me. Obviously, there's like Money on the Run is one I think of the most, so maybe Money on the Run, but it's just kind of this spastic... Uh, for me, the 8-bit's typically going to mean NES, and this is gonna, a lot of this is going to be mostly nostalgic-based, uh, but any of the Mega Man 2 or 3 songs, they played so much Mega Man, and I just think the composer who made yeah. those songs, um, I'm not going to try to say his name right now because I'll ruin it, but um, it, it, they're, they're excellent. They're, they're just extremely well-crafted, and using only a couple channels is able to make these full-sounding songs and i just think it's amazing really well done um for now this is one that's not nostalgic eric when it comes to the amiga yeah i recently well not recently but it's been a few years now but when i got my amiga from you guys the first my first amiga finally played secret of monkey island and that song that calypso intro tune yeah it's it's perfect it's a perfect song and it might that's probably my favorite video game piece of music out, you know going past it, it creates a vibe um as my daughter would say this is a vibe um <laughs> so i absolutely love that i would also throw um uh super nintendo i'm gonna throw and this is nostalgia as well but just super mario world and it's more it's it's the music and the sound effects there's those echoes and things when you go into the caves and the yeah. and everything has this punch to it it's like it's like a McDonald's hamburger. It is chemically created to hit all the right spots in my brain that make me just go, yes. And, um, 
And uh, so I, I love Super Mario. Uh, I don't like anything on the Genesis. It's a sound chip that does not appeal to my sense of, of sound, of my audio response. I don't know. I know a lot of people fight that, and that's fine. You can like the Genesis sound chip. I think it's it's harsh. Yeah. Um, above that, I don't I don't have anything that pops out. I, I mean, I'll, I'll say. Uh, CD based, it's got to be Tony Hawk too. Oh man, that, I gotta <laughs> say that I'm saying that too, dude. There is music um, from that soundtrack I still listen to this day. It's on my playlist in the car. Um, Love that. So actually, that's a good segue here. So first of all, it does say your favorite piece of video game music. Well, the whole the whole Tony Hawk two as as yes. a piece is what I'm yep. gonna go with. And so there's a documentary. I can't remember the name of it right now, and I don't know if you've seen it, um, but everyone should check it out probably on netflix i can't remember but it's about tony hawk okay kind of where he got to start and everything but the whole the majority of the whole thing is tony hawk the video game series because that's when he really blew up and yeah. uh how he got involved in that which is bizarre because it was you know completely scattershot and he actually like reached out to all of the skaters that were featured on that and said pick one piece of song to go in this game. Like, what do you like? I don't care if they're popular, if they're nobodies, whatever. I just pick peace. And that's what they did. And that's what's in the game. Yeah. Next skate. So like there's songs in there. You're like, why is this one piece in here? I mean, I like it and it works while I'm like, I'm skating around virtually, but why is this song in here? And that's why. And it works. Yeah. It just, it fits perfectly. Yeah. So there you go. All right. That was a good choice. Done with that. Uh, real quick, errata and feedback. And Eric, this might be why it sounded familiar because we got a piece. I got a piece back from Barkbit that's on right. Discord. Oh, that's right. That's it, it's our, <laughs> somebody's name. Yeah. <laughs> out of context, you're like, why does that sound familiar? Why does that sound familiar? So yeah, uh, Barkbit reached out on on there and basically kind of called me out without calling me out. Um, he's like, you were talking about centipede recharge. He's like, I hope you didn't play that without a mouse. And I'm like, I absolutely did not play it with a mouse. I played it on my, my Xbox console, yeah. which I'd never even thought. I mean, I know it's basically a computer, but to me, it's a video game system, so you, you have the controller. Never yeah. even thought I could just plug a mouse in, but of course I can. Um, That's so right. Sh- and, and if I ever get this, I'll play it on my Steam Deck, and like I'm going to just use the Steam Deck. I mean, I'm not. there's no See, mouse there. You're not going to so. like it then. I'm telling you, I, well, go back and listen to my review last month on that one, but uh, okay. I think the mouse might fix a lot of my issues with the game. But Good, um, good. Okay. Thank you, BarkBit, for that feedback. And that's another one of those things where I'm like, well, now I kind of want to go back and see what I can play on my Xbox with a mouse. Right, um, right. And then the funny thing is the Steam Deck, I can, pl- I can plug a mouse into that too. So, I mean, yeah, I, 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 absolutely. Can, I can do that as well. So, that's a good tip. Thank you, BarkBit. Pro tip of the week goes to BarkBit. It was like... That's my pro tip noise. <laughs> 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 All right, let's go ahead and uh, let people know how they can get hold of us, because then, Eric, we get to come back and drink beer. Oh, excellent. Hey there, it's Tim. And I've got all the information you need about the Pixel Guiden podcast. If you didn't know already, you can find the show Podbean site by visiting pixelguiden.com from your browser of choice. And while you're on your browser, why not check out our podcast feed on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network? You can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. Have you got any questions? Has something we said driven you crazy enough to want to call us out? Or you just want to say hi? We love getting your feedback. So here are the ways you can contact us. You can reach us on the show Twitter account, which is at pixel underscore guide N. You can email us and our address is podcast at pixelguiden.com. 
And if you want to reach us directly, that's Cody, Eric or Tim, the best way to get us is through our Discord channel on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You can get there by becoming a patron of our show at $3 or more, and we will get you a link to join the fun. If you want to reach Cody, Eric or Tim directly, you can get us on the following platforms. You can reach Cody on Twitter or X, and that's at oddball49, that's oddba one one four nine. Eric is also on Twitter and on Mastodon, and you can get Eric on Twitter at the project. That's D U H P R O J E C T, and at Mastodon is at the project at oldbytes.space. And Tim is on Mastodon at Sanxion, that's at S A N X I O N, at oldbytes.space. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd give us a review and also for any of the other podcast catches that you may use. Here on Pixel Guide N, we like to announce every patron subscriber that subscribes at a $3 or more level by using our random adjective generator and a little bit of song. And this month, I feel like a rock anthem. With the opaque 10, Mark and deprived Josh Malone. An appetizing Dan James and Nate Erickson Grin. Been the bull, my Jason Snowski, enduring Paradroid. Boisterous Mitsuyama, Smokey David Vincent, and Dark David Cavalry, that's Mark Richardson. The Clock Adam from Commodore Chronicles. Polluted Brian Arsenault. Acoustic David Modelac. Untitled Ram OK, Ram OK. Hey guys, how about we take a little break, 
check with our friend over the pond. That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim. Season's greetings to you all, and welcome to the final episode of Tea Time with Tim for 2023. This time of year always makes me feel nostalgic for the Christmases of the past, when I first had my 8-bit micros like the Commodore 64 and the ZX Spectrum, and even those times back in the late 80s when I was working in the computer shop um, in High Wycombe at Christmas. It was always such a busy but fun and special time. Now, one of those micros that has a special place in my heart is the wonderful ZX Spectrum. Now, I'm about to hopefully receive the rebooted ZX Spectrum, the Spectrum Next, from the Kickstarter 2 that we've all been eagerly waiting for since, what is it, 2019? Now, to celebrate that, I think I'd take us back to a simpler time, a time before Brexit, a time before the pandemic. That's right, we're going back 39 years to 1984, and in fact to Christmas 1984. And we're going to flip through the Christmas edition of Crash Magazine. Now, I know I've done one or two of these before, but I really enjoy going back through the pages of these magazines and just having a quick read and looking through some of the pages and some of the memories and games and things that happened during that time that have been documented within the pages. It's always fascinating to go back through and have a quick look. Here we have it then in front of me is Crash for the ZX Spectrum Christmas special. I love it. Right. Okay. So let's describe the cover to start off with. So we've got the Crash logo up at the top um, and it's coincidentally got a bit of snow over the top of the logo to make it that Christmassy feel. And you definitely used to know when you were going to get the Christmas edition. Well, it said Christmas special on it, but there was also a hike in price. Uh, the normal episode would cost you, I think it was 85 pence. And this Christmas episode was £1.25, so a whole 40 pence hike in price. Now, generally, you can understand that because it's actually normally two or three times bigger than the average um, page count of Crash. And there's lots of um, competitions in there as well um, to win nice things. So on the front, um, we've got um, Santa coming down in kind of like a spaceship. Um, and he's surrounded by presents and there's lots of uh, robots and aliens unwrapping presents that they've got from Santa um, in a snowy scene. Uh, at the bottom right, we've got, uh, so alluding to the competitions, so over £7,000 in prizes for this month, uh, Chris, for this Christmas special and competitions from Bug Bite, uh, CSS, Creative Sparks, Firebird, Gilsoft, Incentive, Houston, Ocean, Real Time, Silversoft, and Ultimate. Um, also, in this episode, marks the release of two fantastic legendary Spectrum games, um, and that is Underworld and Night Law. So, I can't wait to get to the reviews of those. Um, and we also have uh, Boulder Dash, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, pole position as well. Uh, 
Um, and apparently this also came with a free giant poster, but unfortunately that must have been put up on someone's wall because it's not in this issue. So turning the page over and we are greeted with, as you guessed it, um, a nice bright colourful advertisement um, and the first advert is for the game Jasper um, I don't need to say on the ZX Spectrum because obviously this is all for Spectrum um, so this was produced by Micro Mega um, Jasper I remember this game quite well actually um, I don't think I played it a huge amount but I do remember loading it up and playing it a few times um, Jasper I think is a rat um, and he's a jungle exploring rat um, he has to I think it was a swap screen sort of uh, run running platformer type game um think think pitfall in a jungle well pitfall was in the jungle wasn't it that's really stupid um but think kind of pitfall that sort of thing that sort of game uh running swinging across um ponds and lakes um with trees and all that sort of stuff so i guess you could say it was kind of a pitfall take uh, by micro mega but instead of pitfall harry it had jasper who was a rat so on the next page we have um kind of like the uh features and what's coming up in the uh in this edition in this issue so this is issue 12 uh from 1984-85 because it kind of like spans the two uh goes into January uh, 1985 uh we have uh, people who created uh, the this issue so we have like the editor roger keen uh, consultant editor franco frey uh, assistant editor kevin foster uh, production designer david weston and of course the art by the ever amazing oliver frey may he rest in peace um, we have uh, an advert next on the next page for pole position um, among some of the quotes on this particular advert um, to date Atari's most astonishing game is Pole Position if you're only going to buy one game then this is the one you should get from computer and video games yeah okay alright Pole Position was alright but I don't think that's the only game that I'm ever going to play um, next up uh, we go to yet another advert um, and this is for uh, one of the joystick interfaces that I actually owned and still own to this day, um, the Ram Turbo. Um, so what was unique about this one is it had two joystick ports similar to the Sinclair Interface 2 and a cartridge port. Um, so you could put in the little um, Spectrum ZX Spectrum cartridges, which were super expensive and they were only 16K. Um, so you only mostly got um, sort of like the Sinclair and some ultimate uh, games like uh, Cookie, uh, Trans Am, I think was on there. Um, Star Raiders, uh, not Star Raiders, that was Atari. I uh, can't remember the name of the um, Sinclair one. Space Raiders or something like that. Anyway, so that 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 had the, the ROM port on there, which most people never use because you couldn't really afford the ROMs because they were like... 30 pounds or something ridiculous where you the the tape version of the game was 4.99 you were never going to buy that and that's why now those roms the original versions uh the physical releases are fetch crazy money um i've seen a copy of like cookie uh the rom with all the box and all that sort of stuff it goes for like 150 200 pounds regularly anyway so yeah so that's the uh first 
um, interface advert, which was <laughs> first of many. Um, then we move on to actually looking back. Um, I don't know why they're really looking back. I guess they're looking back maybe on the first year of Crash, because this was the first year of Crash, I believe, 1984. Um, so, yeah, some of the games that they were looking back on is Scuba Dive by Jarell Software. Um, Ant Attack, which is fantastic. If you've never played that, it's kind of one of the first real proper 3D isometric games that came out for the ZX Spectrum and certainly for probably many machines. Um, great graphics. Um, and uh, essentially, you're kind of like in a post-apocalyptic 3D world, I guess it is. Um, and also, the other th interesting thing about Ant Attack was it was one of the first games I could remember where you could play as either a man or a woman. Um, so quite groundbreaking at the time, that one. Um, and uh, yeah, the idea was, is uh, depending on who you were, um, if you were the ma if you were the man, you had to rescue the woman. If you were the woman, you had to rescue the man. Um, and uh, it, you were basically going around a th uh, isometric 3D landscape, um, avoiding massive giant ants, blowing them up with barrels of explosives um, and trying to rescue your um, stranded person, I guess. Uh, another game that they were looking back on was the fantastic Chucky Egg. Um, like most um, systems, it's a, it's a great platformer, one that you really need to check out if you haven't seen that game. Next up is we have an advert for Gift from the Gods, um, another ocean game. Um, they were really pumping out the games at that time. Um, and I think this was one of their first releases that had sort of like the big style cardboard box if you've ever seen or got a physical release of any of the later ultimate games uh saber wolf um underworld night law that sort of thing they're in these big bigger cardboard boxes and i think it was really to try and place some value emphasis on the games because they wanted to up the price to 9.99 typically they were sort of like 4.99 5.99 so i think they were kind of trying to separate them away um gift from the gods was another kind of a platformer style game um very similar um to a lot of the things out at the time um, but really nice graphics i seem to remember so we're moving on to the first reviews and we're going to start in absolute style uh, with the crash smashes for this episode um, for for this issue. I keep saying episode. I don't know why um, for this issue. And we have Night Law, which again is another fantastic 3D isometric game. Um, by now, obviously, we all know that this is where the spectrum really excelled and found kind of its niche in this type of game um used the, with the processor speed that it ran at and the monochrome screen it's tended tends to lean itself towards this and does it really well with not too much slowdown uh when you get a lot of stuff on the screen it does get a little bit busy and a bit slow but um yeah night law is absolutely fantastic um following the journey of Saberman, um it's a very kind of like um medieval style um graphics based in kind of like castles and different rooms in the castle um and you change from day to night and as it goes into night Saberman changes into a wolf um, and then as the sun comes back up again he changes into Saberman. um so that was an absolutely brilliant game um crash gave that um 
94% overall, so that was a definite crash smash. And then another um, Saberman game, um, and this time it was uh, sort of like a 2D platformer, um, so more of, a, again, the traditional uh, sw- uh, swap screen uh, platformer, no, no real scrolling in between the screens or levels. Um, but this, again, was an absolutely fantastic game um, set as it says basically in the underworld with lots of weird fantastical monsters um and uh you've got to uh, so one of the things was you used to uh, fall down really far and then you used to have to jump on a bubble and then you used to have to go back up on that bubble and jump off the bubble and get to different parts of the of the levels and all that sort of stuff so yeah absolutely fantastic another fantastic game um from ultimate play the game Um, And that one got a 92%. So skipping forward a few pages, um, we've landed upon yet another advert for yet another joystick interface. So you can see what kind of like the prime peripheral was for the ZX Spectrum at the time, because we were working from the humble 48K, uh, which didn't have any joystick ports built in. And most people were kind of getting a bit tired of just using keys all the time uh, because the keyboard wasn't exactly the best on the spectrum. Um, But I I guess there's a camp, really an argument that you say uh, some people lived in the keys only camp and other people lived in the joystick only camp. I was very much more on the way uh, that I liked um, a joystick over the keyboard there were certain games that were better with the keyboard uh, probably like some of the pla- early platformers like uh, Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy you just were able to get a bit more accuracy with that but then when you moved on to the more advanced games it's definitely needed a joystick now what was this advert is for um, the AGF uh, the Protocol 4 Now, this is a programmable joystick interface. So what this does is it kind of bridged the gaps between the games that had joystick and keyboard options and the games that didn't have joystick options. You could only use keyboard. So what this had is it had um, on the front of it uh, lots of little pinholes and then you had a key guide um, on the on the actual interface itself. And what you would do is you would program or put the pins into um where you want the interface to send the key command so essentially when you pushed up um you could program it to press the y key when you push down you could program it to press the b key so if the keys on that game were uh, qaop for example like most were so um omp was left and right q and a was up and down and then space to fire um the space on the ZX Spectrum keyboard was right over to the right-hand side, so that always made it a bit awkward for those type of games. Um, so you could use the AGF programmable interface to program the keys, um, so it would then react when you pushed up on the joystick, it would push those appropriate keys for that game. So that would get you round um, being able to use a joystick on a keyboard-only game. So they were really, really handy at the time. So next up is one of the first competitions, and that is a Firebird um, competition. Now, Firebird were one of the trailblazers for um, low price or budget, as we call it over here, software. Um, And they launched a range um, uh, of, um, 
I want to say they were the Silverbird, but this is the original stuff, which is Firebird. And they were, I think, one ninety nine or two ninety nine, one pound ninety nine or two pound ninety nine games. Um, some of those games were Crazy Caverns, Viking Raiders, Terror Force, Exodus, Menace, Mister Freeze, Run Baby Run booty of course which was and still is a fantastic game to this day well worth the money at the time Um, and the wild bunch which was like a nice graphical uh, wild west adventure Um, and the main prize on this was actually you could win um, a boxed um, zx spectrum expansion system so this was um, a combination of the Sinclair Interface 1, which slotted onto your Spectrum and kind of like lifted it up. On the back of that, you had um, interfaces or connections for microdrives, which was kind of like the Sinclair's attempt at a disk drive, but it wasn't. It was still using tapes. Um, and it also had uh, an RS-232 interface on the back, so you could hook up a printer, a serial printer, or something like that at the time. Um, this all came in a nice, neat box, and I think from memory, that interface pack was around about £180. Um, I knew very, very few people with microdrives. I think maybe one person had a microdrive with their Spectrum, and they were just rubbish just a complete and utter waste of time um it was still tape loading so it's still relatively slow but it just didn't really work anyway so you could get one of those um and this was a competition to win a microdrive and a bunch of the uh and a set of the the firebird games so again skipping forward a few pages um and we're going uh quite deep into the magazine now into this issue and this is an interesting one because this is all about um, a feature uh, for something that happened that year which was imagine software which was an absolute powerhouse in the industry through uh, 80 82 83 84 um, and were very prolific publishers um, and famous for uh, like their marketing and putting themselves forward out there in the industry and driving sales through marketing and splashing the cash basically um, now they uh, famously had two games that they were working on which required expansion uh, for the ZX Spectrum and also they were doing one for the Commodore 64 now the one for the ZX Spectrum was a game called Bandersnatch now this was a really um, complicated written game for the ZX Spectrum and required they were developing an interface for it to plug into your Spectrum to expand it to run the game now all through most of 1984 they were running adverts for this and really pushing that it was going to be breaking the boundaries of um the the zx spectrum and the next biggest thing etc etc but what it eventually did is just drain the company of money developing the program Um, and what was interesting at the time is there was a an actual film crew a camera crew from i think it was the bbc um that was there at the time uh documenting them um creating software and all this sort of stuff and it actually caught the collapse of the company as well um now you can go on to youtube and you can find that documentary um i would just look for imagine software um and you'll be able to find that there but this is an interesting read i'm not going to read any bits of it but um this feature kind of talks about 
the process that they were going through doing the filming of the episode how it all came about and and basically what happened whilst they were filming and just basically seeing the demise of imagine software um just out of interest you you may or may not know imagine software the rights for that was bought up by ocean software um and they used that label to um publish fantastic games like Hypersports and Mikey, um, a few other arcade conversions from Konomi, uh, like Yi Kung Fu as well. Next up is a beautiful double-page spread advert for the Ultimate Play the Games. Yes, I know we've talked about those a couple of times before already, but whenever you stumble across these adverts, the artwork just really does take you back. Um, the the artwork on these games was absolutely amazing on the the cover art and I always used to have posters of these up on the wall. I actually had proper big, uh, I think they were like A1 posters or something like that. <clears throat> that I managed to get from one of the one of the shops that I used to work in. Um, we had some of these posters kicking around and they were just beautiful. So on one page on the left-hand side, we've got Alien 8. So that's a big one. That's the latest one that they were trying to promote. That hadn't come out yet. Um, and then they've got Night Law, Underworld, which we've already discussed. And then two other games, which is Sabre Wolf and staff of carnath now staff of carnath was the commodore 64 so even though this is crash obviously it's a multi-purpose advert so um yeah they've just stuck that one on there <clears throat> uh, moving over to the next page we've got yet another competition and yet another something to do with ultimate play the game so this is a, a christmas comp it's it's actually tagged i'll read it go on then um the ultimate christmas competition yes of course it's ultimate play the game um so this one you can win copies of um where are we the prizes so the first prize in both is a glittering trophy similar to those is those awarded to the winners of the previous competitions um the Attic Attack winner will receive the superb Golden Key of ACG, whilst the Saber Wolf winners will receive an ACG amulet. So the essentially the winners of the competition will be the ones who send in the best map of Underworld or Night Law. So it's a competition to basically get them to send a map in that they can then print that month um, in the um, in the next issue um, and use that for their own basically and use that as a selling point for the magazine um so yeah so that's that's what the prizes were um and you could send that in and the art uh, and you had to get that done by the 31st of january 1985 so don't think i can send one in now um Next up is uh, a story all about Saberman in his first adventure in the jungle. Um, it's runs through about six or seven chapters across two or three pages. I'm not going to bother about that one, but there's some nice uh, Oliver Frey Saberman um, uh, doodles, sort of like a, a, a artwork to go along with it. Um, another crash smash for this month was Boulder Dash, uh, which is absolutely brilliant uh, game filly, uh, featuring Rockford, um, where you've got to run around, collect through the mazes, collect the diamonds, avoid the boulders falling on your head and splatting you. Um, absolutely brilliant game. I love Boulder Dash. Always loved it. It's great on the spectrum because the high res monochrome mode perfectly 
uh, aligned with the with the style of the game i think i think the commodore 64 version was nice uh, but i think it looked best on the specky that's my humble opinion um and overall they gave that one a 93 percent uh, next up is a review of another game that I absolutely love, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, and this is Cyclone uh, by Vortex Software. Cyclone is another kind of isometric 3D style game. Um, think Desert Strike, uh, but 8-bit. <laughs> um, that's the best I can really say about that one, um, just very quickly. Um, <clears throat> moving on, we've got yet another competition. This time it's a word search, and this one hasn't actually been done. Now, next up is a review of a game called Sky Ranger by Microsphere. Um, some of you Z or ZX Spectrum fans out there um, will probably know the game School Days and the follow up Back to School. That was done by Microsphere. Um, and also, uh, what was uh, the, the, one of the most famous games for me anyway on the Spectrum is Wheelie. It's absolutely brilliant. Anyway, so Microsphere created this game called sky ranger which is kind of a a flying uh, vector kind of vector graphics based game they interestingly they call it line drawn um so it's probably before the the term vector graphics was probably coined into the into uh, uh, the the name of this genre of games um it actually looks really nice i've never played this game i've seen it a few times sort of like in reviews and maybe a couple of screenshots and that sort of thing but um i've never actually seen this game in in and loaded it up so i think it might be one i need to take a look at um uh, but anyway they gave it an overall 71 so i don't think it can be that bad um not quite a crash smash it's a few a few points or percentage points off of that but the graphics and everything look really nice so that might be one you want to try and check out if you've not played it and if you have let me know so this is one of the last things I wanted to do. There's this and uh, the chart rundown. Uh, but this is the Crash Readers Awards for 1984. Um, so obviously they're doing the previous year, I guess. This is when the votes came in and everything was um, tallied up for this particular one. So first up, we have Best Platform Game. So this is Monty Mole. Uh, this is before Monty on the Run um, came out. Um, so this is the first of the Monty Mole games. On the Specky, absolutely brilliant. Very much looks like the Monty Mole games that we all know of. Uh, whereas the Commodore 64 version of this definitely didn't look like that. Um, but again, the high res kind of monochrome style graphics on the Specky really kind of like pinned this style of game. Um, it was really, really good Monty Mole. Um, the best maze game was one another one we previously mentioned, and that's Sabre Wolf by Ultimate Play the Game. Uh, best shoot 'em up. I'm not really too sure about this one, but I'll give them this. Um, it's Ad Astra by Gargoyle Games. It's kind of got a bit of a 3D perspective. Um, I'm not sure really that one, for me, would take the prize. I'm sure there was some better ones than that. But anyway, um, that's what they voted. Uh, best overall arcade game. Yeah, I can give them this one. That's Daily Thompson's Decathlon from 1984. That was a groundbreaker. That was a really, really good game at the time. Still is, but um, not quite um you know really holding its holding its own against things like hypersports and um i guess summer games and that sort of stuff on some of the other systems um uh, best text and graphical adventure was lords of midnight by beyond 
Uh, best flight simulation was Fighter Pilot by Digital Integration. That was a good one. Uh, another game I remember very well. Uh, best strategy and simulation was Mugsy by Melbourne House. No graphics in that are fantastic. Um, if you've not checked out Mugsy before, I would definitely recommend loading that one up on the Specky. Uh, best war game was uh, Stonkers by Imagine Software, the ones that we previously mentioned uh, went out of business. That was one of their earlier titles. Um, uh, best state of the art award was for Lords of Midnight uh, by Beyond Software. Um, and then we've got, uh, let's have a look. Uh, <laughs> bummer of the year so this is probably one of the worst games of the year and that's cosmic pirate by england's elephant software sorry um yeah they gave that one 17 percent uh so i don't think they really like that one uh, the best add-on for your spectrum at the time was the comcon joystick interface um i think we mentioned a little bit earlier about the protech programmable interface um that's comcon is very similar but a bit more rudimentary in its looks uh Going back to what I said a little bit earlier as well about the ultimate play the game adverts. Um, so the best looking to advert to appear in the magazine was the one for Sabre Wolf. Um, and that brings us to the end of the Reader's Awards for 1984. I was hoping to try and get this within 30 minutes. So I think we're going to go a little bit over. But anyway, um, so the top 50 for January uh, 1985, I'm not going to... <laughs> I'm not going to go down to the whole top 50, um, but let, let's do the top 10. Uh, so uh, in reverse order, uh, top, uh, number 10 was Pajama Rama by Microgen. Uh, number 8 was Attic Attack by Ultimate, or Attic Attack, as uh, Boat would say, I think it was. Um, uh, number 8, Full Throttle by Micromega. Um, number seven is the immortal Jet Set Willy by Software Projects, which we'll talk a little bit about again in a minute. Uh, number six, uh, this is very much ultimate play the game, isn't it? So that's uh, Underworld. Um, number five is Match Point, which is a brilliant tennis simulator. Uh, that's by Scion and Sinclair. Number four is the one we mentioned again a bit earlier, Monty Mole by Gremlin Graphics. Number three, Daily Thompson's Decathlon. Number two is Lords of Midnight. And number one is Sabre Wolf by Ultimate. So lastly, this is one thing that I wanted to speak about relatively quickly. But one of the things that I used to do an awful lot on my Commodore 64 and Specky games was, especially between the pages of Crash and Zap, you used to have uh, playing tips um, or Julian Rignall's um, uh, cheat section for the Commodore 64. Um, on the Specky in Crash, you get Robin Candy um, and his Pokes Corner. So Pokes, if you don't know, is um, their uh, instructions that you can put into BASIC to poke areas into the computer's memory, uh, uh, into the machine code of the programs to try and affect the way that the game plays. Um, and how commonly this was done was normally by stopping counters, so like your lives or energy bars or something like that. So one of the most poked games or cheated games of all time 
I think has to be Jet Set Willy, mostly because without pokes, you could not complete the game because it was impossible. I think there was a bug. Was it in the Banyan tree or something along those lines? Um, I can't, can't remember exactly what it was. Um, but anyway, there was tons and tons and tons of cheats available for Jet Set Willy. It was really was hacked to death, this game. Um, and this episode of Crash is no different. Um, there's literally a page and a half of just literally solid pokes for Jet Set Willy. Um, so there we go. So there's one here which disables the attic bug. And I think that's that's what it is. It wasn't the Banyan tree. It was the attic. So if you did uh, poke 59900,255, that would give you um, the ability to complete the game, which would disable the attic bug. And there's also a poke um four three two seven five comma ten so you don't have to put in the right type of code um so if you loaded up the uh version of jet set willie i think it was with the title screen you could put in right typer at the beginning so literally just type that word and it would activate a cheat and then i think you could use the space or the symbol shift key and then you could literally just skip screens um so yeah there was there was tons and tons so you can do, do do things like you can get rid of all the monsters in the game uh make it so you only have to collect one item you can get marie rid of maria in the um master bedroom and then you can just walk straight onto the bed and finish the game um yeah so there, there's tons and tons of pokes in there um another quick one on this is just before we finish up is there's a nice feature on inside crash um and it shows you basically sort of like in over a few pages how they do the production of the magazine from um, uh, typesetting out the issue taking pictures grabbing the screens from the games because obviously that wasn't easy back then you used to have to use a camera and literally taking pictures directly off of crts which we know now is still hard to do even with like modern cameras um so yeah this is quite a nice thing there um so yeah i think that's going to really do it uh, for this month's tea time with tim um hope you enjoyed a flip through the pages of the crash 1985 christmas special with me i enjoyed going through there and um uh, all it leaves me to do is to wish you happy holidays hope you have a peaceful one have a nice one with your family um and i'll see you on the next one Hello and welcome to Cody's Corner for December 2023, last Cody's Corner of the year. Um, I'm continuing on in my, if you want to call it a series of um, kind of game reviews for the relatively recently released Atari Recharged games uh, that started coming out in 2021. And um, this is the third one I've reviewed at this point. The last two months I've also covered uh, Centipede last month with Centipede Recharged, and before that, I played Yars Revenge Recharged, or Yars Recharged, I guess. Um, again, classic Atari games, which have been kind of modernized, updated, um, kind of new coat of paint, and a whole bunch of new features that make it not just modern, you know, quality of life upgrades, but also just additions to the game to kind of uh, update the gameplay and make it fresher and newer. And uh, just quick recap. Um, you know, really, really fell in love with uh, Yars 
revenge, you know, Yara's recharged. Uh, and then last month, uh, go back and take a listen to that, but Centipede recharged, uh, found it kind of ho-hum. Uh, so I did not know what to expect on this third one, which is Asteroids Recharged. Of course, Asteroids being a, uh, a classic Atari game, originally played with um, a just a couple of buttons, uh, you know, left, right, uh, shoot, and the shield button, um, the original Asteroids. And, of course, Asteroids Deluxe uh, added shields and a couple other things. Um, so let's see what they did when they went ahead and, quote-unquote, recharged Asteroids here. Uh, so first of all, let me go ahead and get some music playing here in the background for you. The first thing I really love about this is the music. Um, all the games have had excellent music. I guess, um, uh, you know, that was a big focus for them. It, it's a great soundtrack. It's this pumping techno. Um, really sets the atmosphere, uh, and I really like it. However, it does repeat on a loop, and you will get to know it very, 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 very well by the time um, you've played this game for some time. But uh, really cool uh, color choices. This is kind of dark, dark blue in this light um, aqua, like neon aqua color. Uh, really makes up the color pattern for the game, but your ship is uh, bright pink, at least originally. And uh, just like the original Asteroids, uh, you know, you start out as a little triangle in the middle of the screen. It doesn't look that much updated. And you shoot little laser beams out of the front of your your ship. Um, you know, you, you still have thrust to, to kind of move around the screen and left and right. I do like that when you hit thrust, um, it doesn't just shoot you across the screen uncontrollably. There is some friction, although technically in space there wouldn't be any friction. But there would be, you know friction that would uh it kind of slows you down quicker so you're you're not constantly fighting your own thrust which is a good quality of life upgrade and makes the game much more playable um of course you've got asteroids floating all over the screen in all different directions uh however i will say it is cool there's some missions which i'll talk about the missions in a second where the asteroids kind of only uh, scroll up and down vertically which is uh, a bit of a nod to the original Atari version of the game where they couldn't program the randomness of the asteroids so everything just kind of went vertical uh, which I thought was kind of fun um, so you're shooting asteroids, you know, big asteroids break into two smaller asteroids which break into even smaller asteroids, it can get really hectic and crazy around the screen um, but of course uh, Ian, you've got your spaceships that come on the onto the screen as well However, the big difference here is that there are different spaceships, you know, visually different, but also if they're, uh, depending on the level one color, uh, typically, I think, uh, pink in color, that those ships, when you shoot them, will release uh, weapon upgrades, you know, a timed we- weapon upgrade, whereas the, um, the blue color ships are enemy ships that shoot at you, and just like the real asteroids, you want to shoot those as quick as possible and get them off the screen, otherwise um, they will kill you. And, of course, just like the original game, they shoot pretty close to you at all times. Uh, it's kind of a 50-50 if they're going to hit you, unless you're moving. So you do want to be moving or shoot them quickly. Um, you know, it's very much uh, Asteroids. This game is probably more similar to the original game than, the, than Yars Recharged or even Centipede Recharged at this point. And uh, if you want to just play the standard arcade game and just go for score, I'd say this is probably... Um, this is probably a, uh, a much better standalone score chasing game than, than Centipede, in my opinion. Centipede Recharged. 
Um, so let's talk about some of the upgrades. You, you of course, can get a shield, which constantly uh, rotates around you. There's no, you know, pull back to hold the shield briefly. That's not in this game, so that Asteroids Deluxe mechanism isn't necessarily there. Um, but you can get, um, you know, a machine gun. You can get spread shots. You can get kind of these smaller spread shots that only shoot out three bullets but go further, uh, whereas a spread shot only goes a certain distance across the screen. Um there are missiles that when you shoot they blow up but you kind of have to be really specific when you shoot those because when they hit something they blow up but you can't shoot until that projectile is gone um there is the button to do the warp and uh so in the original game you know if you hit that button you know you said oh shoot i'm in the middle of a situation i'm gonna die i'm not gonna get out of this you hit warp and you will disappear and reappear somewhere else on the screen um hopefully somewhere that's not just going to kill you instantly in this game, there is a little bit of, uh, I think, AI built into it where you're going to get put in a location where you have a chance to survive. It's not going to put you right on top of an asteroid. Um, uh, as you play longer in this game, more stuff will, will start showing up. So uh, these little bombs will, will float across the screen. They kind of have a big, um, if you want to call it like star burst around them. And if you shoot those, they will make a, ba- a black hole and uh, the big black hole for a few seconds will absorb any asteroids or enemies or anything else that is that is in the way. And then um, there's also, it's kind of cool, sometimes you'll see a spaceship stuck in the side of an asteroid. And uh, if you shoot the asteroid, it releases the spaceship. And if you shoot the spaceship, it blows up the spaceship and the asteroid. So it's kind of a fun little extra thing. Um, but yeah, I'd say this one's actually very faithful to the original asteroids. It is It is fun. Um, it is fun in small bursts. Unlike uh, Yara's Revenge, I don't think it's a game that... It was not a game that I turned on and ended up playing four hours straight because I couldn't stop. It is a game I kind of played 10, 20 minutes at a time. Uh, you know, shut off, did other things, and came back a few days later to get another 10, 20 minute fix. And um, the the missions. Let's talk about the missions. So, like all these games, there's the standard mode where it's kind of a score attack, long-term arcade mode, and then there's missions. Um, so, the missions in this game, just like the other ones, are kind of the base gameplay, but they'll each have a little bit different twist on it, and a goal for you to achieve, of course. You know, typically the goal is, is you know, although they're different and they're specific, you more or less just plague asteroids until the goal gets reached right you blow up enough asteroids um you might have like shoot 100 small asteroids or shoot 25 medium-sized asteroids or survive 60 seconds uh but where the fun really comes into it is some of the creativity they come up with uh you'll you'll some of them are actually pretty difficult some of them are very easy but you might be put into uh, a spiral of asteroids with spaceships going by and it says survive 60 seconds so if you just sat there and shot those asteroids would are, are coming in, they're closing in on you, so you would get killed, so you kind of have to figure out what your strategy is to get out of the asteroid field uh, while avoiding the spaceships and uh, just surviving 60, 60 seconds. That one, that one took me quite a while to beat. Um, I did complete all the missions. That's kind of my goal with these recharge games, is just to complete all the missions um, with Yards Recharged being a little bit different because that game, you did actually have a full game to play through in the main mode. Uh, of course, there's leaderboards and all kinds of things. Um, yeah, 
this game is pretty straightforward. There's, it's kind of what you expect. I think if you gave most people the keys to to creating a new Asteroids game, this is more or less what they would come up with. Uh, you know, let's play Asteroids. It's a great game. Let's get rid of the little frustrating things and let's add a bunch of new we- weapons. And that's basically what this is. Um, all right. So that being said, you know, uh, you can buy this full price at you know anywhere you buy modern games. Uh, I have it on the Xbox, but you know, Switch and Steam and PlayStation, all these things. Uh, and it sells for $9.99 pretty much everywhere. Um, that being said, is it worth $9.99? Uh, I think for the right person, it could be worth $9.99. Uh, I bought them when they went on sale. A lot of times these games will go on sale, and they'll go on sale for half off, $4.99. If you are a retro gaming fan and you love Asteroids, this game is definitely worth $4.99 for you. If you're a casual just gaming person and Asteroids uh, kind of bored you in the past, this is not going to excite you much more than the original Asteroids. I mean, it's fresh and new, and it's much better than the original uh, because of all those modern features and things. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's not going to blow you away uh, the way, in my opinion, Yara's Revenge did. Um, yeah, so that being said, let me go ahead and see out of a hundred uh, score of 100%, you know, uh, what, what would I give this game? And I'm thinking I'm going to put it more or less right in the middle between uh, Yara's Recharge, which I absolutely loved, and uh, and Centipede Recharge, which I found very ho-hum. This, this game's a solid C. It's a 75. Um, you know, I, I'm considering I have one more game that I've already purchased in the Recharge series, and uh, you know, right now we're kind of we've kind of gone across the board. We have an F, we have an A, and we have a C. So, uh, pretty mixed bag at this point. They do have a uniform uh, look and sound and feel to these games, so it is they, they are packaged in a way where they definitely seem like one series. But the gameplay is kind of um, the interest of the gameplay is kind of different on each one. So. Uh, I'll see. I think I might do one more of these, and uh, after that, depending on how it how it plays, how it feels, I'll, I'll consider if I want to keep doing this series or if I want to try to move on to something else with Cody's Corner in the future. Um, definitely don't regret it. Definitely love that Atari did this, and I think they're still coming out with more games, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it right there. Until next time, this is Cody Hoffman signing out from Cody's Corner. Evil gnome has appeared. And Eric, the evil gnome, has brought beers. Excellent. <laughs> he feels bad. It's that time of the year for giving. You know, we give thanks, and then a month later we, we give presents. So there we go. That's right. Uh, and I will be up front. Uh, Eric and I failed to communicate i'll take the blame on this one that's fine we have t- two new beers this month mm-hmm. and uh, eric you are quick freezing them for the next episode i am i put they're in the freezer right now because they're not cold they were in my garage so I, I i have plenty of beers of all different sorts but not the ones we're in sync with so we're going to do that next episode all right so i'm gonna go ahead and crack open i'll just this is a, a, a non-alcoholic beer. I have one more of these in my fridge. I'm going to sip on this. I get up early in the morning. I don't need to wake up with a hangover uh, sure. early for work tomorrow. It'll be a bad bad style. So, Yeah. And what do you got? I have a beer called Seismic. It is a red lager, classic and malty, from Sonoma County. 
Wait, wait. Sonoma County, California. It's Seismic Brewing Company. Okay. So it's just Red Lager. It's called... Simple. This is the name of our company. This is the Red Lager. Exactly. Perfect. So I'm pouring that out, but classic and malty is what caught me. That sounds perfect right now. I do like classic. Classic means holidays to me and malty means delicious. So cheers, my friend. Cheers. And look how ruby red it is. That is ruby red. Now, while you taste that beer and give me your insight, think about your insight, uh, I don't want to be left out of the, the party here. So, Eric, I'm going to review something I am consuming right now as well as this beer, and that is this Japanese incense. <laughs> yeah. <It's> just... <laughs> I saw it wafting in the background. Yeah, see? See, I've got some. This particular incense is called Baikujo. I probably said that wrong. Uh, it is by Shoido Incense Company from Kyoto, Japan, and it is... Uh, it doesn't say anything in here very much at all in English, but when I bought it online, the English translation said plum blossom. And let me tell you right now, the smell is wafting. It's got like a powdery candy vanilla fragrance to it, and it's delightful. I give it a 9 out of 10. There we go. Excellent. Excellent. And stay tuned for our podcast we're doing called Incense and Knives. <laughs> knives, Knives, it's, Knives. It's part of our podcasting empire. Yeah, Knives, 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 and uh, Incense and You. <laughs> or or eric might turn to incense and yoga starring eric nelson incense, uh, yeah <laughs> i'm doing downward dog today with with some plum blossom <laughs> <laughs> exactly. how's that ruby red treating you uh, so here's what i'm gonna do okay i'm gonna I'm get ready. this next year january february or something i'm gonna get a couple of these and give it to you because this is dang good, and okay. this could be up there. I gotta, I want this on the 2024 spreadsheet for beer of the I've year potential. Wow! So you're already throwing this out there for beer of the year contention, is what you're saying? Uh, this is delicious. Really? Is delicious. All right. All right. Well, let's hold off. I like that. I like that. So next, uh, well, I'm sure I'll have another beer on this show too. But next show on the 30th, we've got two beers. We'll both be drinking to finish up the year. I think they were both from Tim. No, one's from me. That's one's the coconut you? porter is from from me. And gotcha. the maple, what was Blueberry it? Blueberry maple, maple pancake syrup beer. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, that's that's gonna be great. That's from Tim. Great. All right. Well, we are thoroughly liquored up, even though mine doesn't actually have liquor in it. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, talk about some news. Now, Eric, I need to share my screen here, uh, which I will do right now. But the first news topic, Eric, something we've all been worried about for quite a while, and I'm kind of half joking, but also half serious. Yeah. Because I think what we asked for kind of is coming to fruition. And that is, I received in my email box an uh, update from the Amico. Okay. Okay. Originally, um, Man, I can't remember the Tommy Tallarico project, but it was in television, Amico, originally. That's right. Um, so, uh, we have a, sh- a link in our show note for all these things, of course. And um, this one kind of starts negative in that it says they, they admit, uh, in television, admits it doesn't have the funds to make a physical Amico, which we already knew, um, just not publicly. But uh, what they did come out with at this point, and you can go download it now, is the free Amico Home at which is uh, available on your Android, and uh, it is in public beta, 
and it showcases two games, and they're two that we are interested in, Astro Smash and Missile, Missile Command. Okay. And uh, they're expecting Shark Shark and Side Swipers to arrive in the months to come. So they are taking those games, which we kind of already knew were Android-based phone games, if you will, glorified, yeah. and they're putting them where they kind of belong at this point, which is on a phone. So there you go. Okay. Um, I mean, I knew this was going to happen. I just, and we talked about this. It wasn't a big secret. Um, I don't think the hardware is ever going to come out um, unless somebody still like trying. they're still trying. If somebody like an Evercade or or some company like uh, my arcade or you know the, these little companies that make the little knockoff arcade things or whatever. If somebody like that, if they can get a partnership with that, they'll come out with a cheapo one, I think, like yeah. a little cheapo version or something, but it's not going to be this and it's not going to be a great console. So whatever. I I did think some of the games looked amazing. The Moon Patrol, the Astro yeah. Smash, the Amazing Shark at Shark. the price point they were originally talking about. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, I'm looking at this video here and they have a, an example of the shop. And you can buy Missile Command or Astro Smash, which again, kind of like glorified versions of the original game. Yep. Uh, $14.99 each. What was the original number on those? I I believe they were everything. Everything was going to be under I think ten bucks, and okay. most of these were right. like four four ninety nine to seven ninety nine or something like that. So they're a lot more. And they're I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. And they're doing. It looks like what they're doing is they're not selling them individually anywhere. You have to use their kind of little storefront. Yeah, you download their Amico app, and that is more or less your environment now. And you download yeah. them and pay for them within the app itself. <laughs> Anyways, there we go. Amico update for everybody. Now you know. I'm just going to throw a little shout out that's kind of related to, to the Amico. Um, Rob Flack O'Hara on his latest uh, You Don't Know Flack uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he covered the Elio um, card. Do you remember that? I do not. Elio card. E- Elio. E-L-I-O, I think it is. So... Back in 2012 or 2015, this guy came out and said he was going to sell a $6,800 or $5,800 car. It was had three wheels. Okay. Two in the front, one in the back. But it was an enclosed car, and it was going to get 84 miles to the gallon. But I'll, I'll let you listen to the podcast if you want to okay, hear it. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, they never created a single car, and they're still trying to sell them on their website. So that was from 2012. So wow. can, it reminds me of the Amico. I mean, it, it's a very similar Amico kind of Elio. story. Um, and Rob put some money down on that and he just told the whole story. And it's very interesting, even if you've never heard of it. I love that kind of stuff. In fact, I know I've heard of a couple of people talking about uh, doing uh, um, either movies or, or books or something on the Coleco Chameleon. Yep. And now the yep. Amico might be coming the thing as well. So. I'll read this one for Tim, but I know, Eric, you'll have plenty to say on it. But ZX yep. Spectrum Next from the second Kickstarter, which you and Tim are a part of. Yep. Um, I was part of the first. No big deal. Just saying. Are <clears throat> <laughs> uh, shipping, but they're going to Europe first, Eric. Yep. They're going to Europe first. But I did get my email saying, hey, as soon as that ship gets here, because they're, I guess they're literally shipping them on a ship, of course. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> well, that's where that here, word came from. Yep. Uh, they are going to, they're on the way. So I, I'm hoping within a week or two, I will get a shipping notice saying, Hey, your next is on the way. And hopefully it'll get to me very soon. And we'll be next buddies. Uh, man, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I mean, I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to, there's a lot of new spectrum games coming out, which we'll talk about later in the news. Uh, just wait a few minutes and you're going to hear about a couple of new spectrum games. Uh, and I, I love the spectrum. So I'm really looking forward to my next. Yeah, it's it's cool. I'm I like I'm glad that I have mine. It is uh is the way I play almost all my Spectrum stuff at this point. Yep. So this next news item is from Retro Gamer Nation. Retro Gamer Nation, who is our buddy uh, and we know is a listener and a Patreon supporter. And so a really I'm, cool website you need to check out and, and YouTube channel. Yes, I listen. I watch his YouTube channel all the time. Um, but he is um. He has an article about Yeti Mountain. That's what it's called. Yeti, Yeti Mountain. Mountain. Yep. I think I There's talked about it last it. month. It looks really good. It does. Um, it is a Commodore 64 game about looking like skiing. Like you ski down the slope and, you know, there's a lot of games like that. But this one's more kind of a RPG-ish kind of game where there's different things going on. And you you're, you basically get, looks like from place to place by skiing. Uh, but once you get to a place, you walk around and I don't know if you solve puzzles or whatever, but it looks like a very in-depth, really cool in de- you know game for the Commodore 64. It's hard to explain, but... So I would explain it like... Um, so the ba- the skiing action is like Ski Free, like the free Windows 3.1 skiing game, Ski yeah. Free, where the Yeti comes and gets you, yeah. um, which is a really cool game. But of course, they've done a lot more to it. But then it's kind of like that, but the same way they took uh, golf in Golf Story and made golf like an RPG where you can like freely roam places and do other things. Yes. This also has, you know, right now we're looking at a side-scrolling action platformer um, kind of elements to it. It's got missions and things like that. But the the moment-to-moment gameplay that you keep returning to is basically ski-free. <laughs> yeah. So. But it looks Super cool. awesome. I, I mean, it looks right up my alley. I'm I'm definitely going to get this and give it a give it a go. And I guess um, Retro Gamer Nation has had a hand in kind of helping with the storyline or oh, something. Cool. There's parts of the game I know he is uh, is is uh, helping out with. So I don't know. It looks really great to me. So I'm looking forward to this one. I agree. Yeti you Mountain. Wanna... Yeah. Um, do you want to read this one for Tim? Yep. Tim says, Golf Monday, another fantastic Pico 8 release from Johan Peets. Did we say it was Peets or Pites? Pites, Peets. P-E-I-T-Z. Is that right? Yeah. Let's just go with Peets. Yep, Peets, the creator of Cosmic Collapse, which we're going to talk about again later in this episode, or next episode, I think. Um, Tim mentions he played this quickly uh, and he seems seems excellent so far. I did get this and played some of it, but I didn't get to the part where I got my golf cart. So um, I think it gets different after that. But it is a really cool golf game on Pico 8. So check it out. Golf Monday. So it's interesting because you can get it on itch.io. And this is uh, just like Cosmic Collapse. It is a Pico 8 game that uh, you pay for. 
It's yes. not on the free Splore site. You actually uh, buy it, and then um, you can actually download on itch.io as a Windows execu- executable. It's basically like a packaged P- Pico 8 game within its own executable kind of a thing. It's interesting. It's like but. a Pico 8 wrapper because you, you, I, I didn't see that you get the cartridge. It's only played on Windows, Linux, and Mac, mm-hmm. but it's played, it is a Pico 8 game like in the strange wrapper. So it is really cool, but it, it plays fine. I mean, it isn't, it, 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 I had fun playing it, but I didn't get a lot of time with it. I actually I played 18 holes of it, and uh, really, I, that's about all, I ne- about all I needed of it. It only, it only took me 25 minutes to play 18 holes. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's really cool. But what's fun about it is you're playing this pretty straightforward golf game, but there's things you can choose to do. Like when you get your golf cart, you can run over people <laughs> and uh, park your your. I like to park the golf cart on their ball so they can't hit it, and then they get mad at you, and you can scare them and things like that. Um, there's ponds of course because it's golf course and if you walk through them you see like bubbles as you go underwater and you pop up the other side (laughs) Uh, just some really fun character stuff like that but the golf itself is kind of simple and fun but um yeah currently asking 4.95 and it's a dollar off on sale right now so cool not as addictive as Cosmic Collapse. I will definitely go back to Cosmic Collapse. Let me put it. Oh that man, way. I go to it back to it all the time. <laughs> I love that game. And we'll talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about it next episode. Uh, a couple of free games I want to make sure everyone knows about. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I know a ton about them yet. But if you have a Sega Master System, then check out. And I do. You do check out Blast Arena. I have not tried it yet. I downloaded it because it's free, and it's a vertical. Um, it looks like a vertical scrolling sh- shmup for your Sega Master System. Which uh, actually does not have a lot of shmups. Definitely not a oh, lot wow. of good ones. That looks um, really interesting. Yeah, it does look good. Um, so I'm going to check that out. And then the other one I put on here is uh, a free Game Boy game. And um, that looks like a pretty good quality game. And it's called The, Melti- the Melting Apartment. Uh, hmm. Is a, a Junji Ito inspired. There me, uh, there's me again trying to pronounce Japanese words horror game for the uh for the game boy now i did take a look at some of the videos here and it looks like a really atmospheric uh it actually says game boy but i think it's game boy color um because there's definitely colors in some of these screenshots here uh but it looks like a really cool actually kind of creepy you know we were talking about last in october what games actually scare you and um it's actually looks really kind of like a like a creepy game that you could probably play through in in an hour or two and just enjoy and it's free so check it out you're a detective it looks like you're trying to solve a case by walking around and interacting with things um but it's only one or two buttons to interact it's not you know like a point and click where you have to try a million things yeah um really cool looking cutscenes, a really atmospheric for a game boy game so might give that a shot if i get three weeks off of pixel guide in is that was that the question <laughs> <laughs> So my next one here is um, something that I, I came across that I think would come in handy for a lot of players if you um, don't get your fix for DOS, playing DOS games. There is a thing called DOS Deck or DOS underscore Deck. It lets you play classic DOS games in your browser. So there are no sitting there tweaking config.sys files or anything like that. You literally can just play these games in a... Um, a very Steam Deck style operating system. Like you launch this in your browser and it shows you panels of different games. And then you just launch them in the browser and play them. And it configures your controllers and all of that stuff through the browser emulator. So 
Um, and then you can also play this on your Steam Deck. And there's a few steps you have to go through to make this work, but it shows up as kind of a um, almost a library all organized of a bunch of different DOS games. So I don't know. I think this would be the reason I threw this in here really was to keep note of it because I think this would be a very handy um, tool for us for the podcast when you do research if you wanted to include a DOS game and have an easy way to play it to evaluate it or whatever. I still haven't forced you to play Jazz uh, Jazz Jackrabbit, which is a game I (laughs) always talk about, and I love that game, but... Yeah, I should play it. That would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, nice nice run and gun. You can play the first episode for free because it's shareware. Yep. Um, But the link will be in the show notes for checking that out if that interests you. Absolutely. Quick Evercade news. Only one new cartridge, I think, at this point to announce. And that is the third of the C64 collection. Yeah. Uh, So the new C64 collection. It's actually the sixth uh, C64 cartridge. Or I guess, I'm sorry, the sixth computer collection cartridge. So it's blue. And uh, we got 13 games from the Commodore 64. Uh, It says Era. And... Just let me get you a give me a one word answers to your response to these games since this is your system, right? Okay. Summer Games yeah, yeah. Two, excellent. Balderdash, fun. Heavy Metal Paradroid, fantastic. Heavy Metal version, huh? I have not tried that. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, it was. It came out much at later, but it was somebody's like upgraded version of that. So okay, yeah. I have not tried that. How about Super yeah. Cycle? Eh. Jumpman Junior. Fun, Cyberdyne Warrior. Um. Okay, that's good. Yeah, Cybernoid yeah. Two: The Revenge. It's good, good, good. Netherworld. I haven't played that. Deliverance: Stormlord Two. Haven't played it. Or is that Stormlord LL? I don't know. Uh, Anarchy. <laughs> haven't played it. Uh, how can you not play it, Eric? It's a, apparently another classic C sixty four title. Um. Exelon. Oh, nice. Is that good? Okay. Exelon's great. I love it on the ZX Spectrum, but C64 version solid too. Uh, Street Sports Soccer. Uh, I don't know that one. And this one I want to say I listened to, to Mr. Flack O'Hara talk about yep. on, uh, on his podcast, but Breakdance. Yep. It's a fun one. I remember pirating. <gasps> I remember pirating this game and it was, it was fun. Well, there we go. There's your 13 games coming out on the new collection. Yeah. Um, 3DO is actually getting the new game. Some love here. Ooh, yeah. Um, interesting. The game is called BioFury. It is a Doom-inspired first-person shooter, according to TimeExtension.com. And you can pre-order it now. So if you want to play a, like a new, uh, very much Doom or Wolfenstein 3D kind of inspired first-person shooter game on your 3DO, you can get a brand new 3DO game. Oh man, that would. That, <laughs> I don't have any like. No, I do. I do. I have two 3DO real 3DO. Real games, 3DO. Yeah, I have one. I have one. Because you what? can burn them, so that that's how you can play 3DO games. But it would be real interesting to have one in a box. <laughs> now, now, what what I will say about this because I'm used to to new old system games, right? New retro games costing a yeah. lot. Uh, the standard NTSC version of the game has a jewel case with pressed disc disc art so it's you know it looks a legit disc um and then there's a limited edition version only 100 copies but that includes a 3do long box a dual-sided poster with cover art and level maps a keychain and a 3do tribute ad um so only 
thirty or twenty nine ninety nine for standard, and only forty nine ninety nine for the long box one. That's not that's not, not outrageous. That's not actually bad. a pretty decent price. I don't know how good the game is. It looks very um, shareware. Very. Like <laughs> well, yeah, but, but you know, I mean, it's hard to evaluate these in still shots. It, it's that's very true, especially on the 3DO, which is notoriously kind of janky looking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Perfect. where are we going from here? Uh, Crimbo. What's Crimbo? Crimbo. So Crimbo is a Christmas-themed game that is now out for uh, the Amiga, but it is based on a ZX Spectrum game that I have played before. Um, I think it was released, I want to say, in 2010, like the ZX Spectrum version. Okay, so, so it's, it's a mo- not modern a, retro. It's modern retro, but now then they redid it. They ported a modern retro game for the ZX Spectrum over to the Amiga. Um and I'm going to be honest, this looks fun. I mean, it, it's kind of like a... Um, oh, it looks like Bubble Bobble. A little bit like Bubble Bobble. Christmas and then Bubble some Bobble. screens, it's kind of like... Um, what is the game I'm thinking of? Um, not Mo- Monty on the Run, but... Um, God, what is the name of that game? Anyway, it's kind of that kind of game where the enemies go in a specific pattern. They're not they, They're not really yeah. chasing you around. Uh, the, although there are enemies like that Like every ZX Spectrum platformer. Exactly. Like the enemies just kind of go back and forth where they are, and yeah, you just was, have to time everything right. What's the most popular one? Um, I mean, Money on the Run is one of them. Yeah, Money on the Run is one of them. But anyway, the funny thing is this looks great. It's an AGA Amiga version of this. Very colorful, very nice. But I went and played the ZX Spectrum version, and it's it's actually pretty awesome. I mean, it, it's yeah. it, it's exactly like this. I mean, it's... There's not a ton of difference, like even in the graphics. Really? Okay, that's pretty I mean, impressive. They're, they're, the Amiga's more colorful, obviously, and has a lot. You know, uh, it's more smooth. It's and all about all the that, gameplay, I mean, Eric. All about the gameplay. The gameplay is about the same. So. so you're basically just uh, Chris Kringle, right? Crimbo. Yep. Uh, trying to collect all the presents on the level, and they're kind of one screen levels, and like they're, they're laid out very much like Bubble Bobble, in my opinion. Yep. Um, in the fact that there's kind of you can drop through the bottom and you drop back over through the top of the screen if you go down the bottom but very colorful also so cool so crimbo it's a christmas themed game go grab it and play it before christmas on your a500 or better which is basically all the amigas yeah uh i'll take this one for tim um Not much more to say about this one. It's kind of been the big rage, but uh, we've all played Briley Witch Chronicles to different extents, uh, which is the Commodore 64 RPG that Sarah Jane Avery came out with a few years back. Very in-depth, a lot of story um, based on the book series of the same name that Sarah Jane Avery also wrote. And uh, the second one is out. So you can now go download Briley Witch Chronicles 2 from Witchsoft, uh, or you can just go on itch.io and look up Briley Witch Chronicles, and it's nine ninety nine, which is a, a great value for those games because you'll get your time out of them. Yeah, I was going to say nine ninety nine is a steal for for this kind of as much content as she packs into these games, and there aren't a lot of JRPG style games on the Commodore sixty four. So yeah, know. it's 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 very much a uh, what almost feels like a fetch quest American style RPG, but then it has the tech turn based very japanese jrpg battles yep i don't know if you agree with me or not but that's how it feels to i me. do agree with you yep absolutely so i don't know i think they're i think they're definitely worth the money and uh, even if you can't get around to supporting this because the evil gnome didn't give you a hiatus from whatever <laughs> project you're working on 
it, it's worth supporting um, Sarah Jane Avery on this, and hopefully she just keeps making games because she knocks it out of the park. So absolutely. In fact, yeah, I need I have a lot to catch up on, so maybe I'll start playing through those games. <laughs> yep. Um, I have to. I still haven't finished. Um, oh, what's the, what's the shooter called, Eric? The, the second one just came out. Not Soul Force, the one that came out before that, and then the second one came out after that. Oh, I'm blanking on it. Yeah, me too. Gosh darn I know, it. I know, when right. you're, I know the one you're talking about. Ah, well, I'll think about it and worry about it while you talk about this Indie Retro News item. Yep, from Indie Retro News, Seraphima, an impressive-looking game for the ZX Spectrum. And one thing I want to show you on this, Cody, is... I don't know if I've ever seen a ZX Spectrum game. And this is, by the way, ZX Spectrum 128K. Yep. It has an amazing soundtrack uh, if you listen to it. And I haven't downloaded this game yet, uh, but I've watched a ton of videos on this. Look at the sprite. Look at the sprite for the game. Look how yeah, big that is. It's a big sprite for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a huge character on the screen. It kind of reminds me of... Um, like think altered beast, like the size of the character on the screen and altered. Yeah. Beast. Um, yeah. but very, very colorful graphics. Um, the gameplay looks solid on this. This is one that, man, when I get my next in, I might grab this one. Seraphima. Yeah. So um, this, this game is from Zosia, which is, um, they come up, all my favorite games on this, on the spectrum. Modern ones are from this company. They're the same one that made... Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't yeah, know that. Okay. Um, and they're great. So I did download this. Um, I actually downloaded this. This is the final version that was released. So I played this six months ago. Oh, when okay. Amigo, I didn't know uh, Yeah, when Boat played a version of this game and started saying it was one of the best Spectrum games you've ever played, I believe. Um, so I definitely played it. And it, it is solid. It's not to my taste, but I can definitely see the quality in it. Um, it's kind of a, you can scroll left or right and you can get, kind of go through doors and different portals. So it's kind of like you have to make a map in your head of where you're at, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. And then you get, you know, you're attacking enemies and stuff to get through to places, but you're ultimately trying to get different objects so you can backtrack and open up different portals. And it's kind of a, um, action adventure slash, I guess almost a Metroidvania, but not a platformer. Okay. In a way. But yeah, it's is uh technically impressive and a lot of people really really like the gameplay so um next up we have a an item that i recently saw when i was on twitter and i reposted it and i saw a number of people including our listeners say yep i need that um and it's from commodore forever who's whose power supply i currently have right in front of me here that i used to power up my commodore 64 okay and if you go to commodoreforever.com you will see that they have for sale now uh something you never thought you needed and now that you know it exists you can't live without it uh and all it is is a of course now it's not going to show up when i click on the button it is a 90 <laughs> 90 degree power adapter so it's okay. it's it's black. It has a nice Commodore 64 logo. I'm describing it to you, Eric, because you can't see it because it's not opening right now. Uh, and basically, you know how your power sticks out the side of your Commodore, and it's really hard to like shove the power in there and bend the cable, and you always end up crimping it or bashing it or or yep. what? It, this is just a tight 90 degree, so it shoots kind of backwards. So you can just plug in your power in the back. That is actually really <laughs> handy because you're right. It like. 
If anyone knows, the Commodore 64 has a power supply on the right-hand side. There they are. It just goes straight out. So this looks like a nice little adapter that will turn that around. And it's just got a cool little look to it, little logo, and it fits in tight and snug, so it heavily reduces the amount of space that is required on the side of your Commodore, especially for me, because I have this little bracket that holds my TV up and the Commodore slides underneath it. Yeah. And I can't put the power in. I have to pull the whole thing out, plug the power, and use it, unplug it, push it back in. With this device, I will be able to just slide it in and out without having to do with any of that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then while you're there, uh, he also sells some games that... um, boxed games for the Commodore 64 and a couple other things. So I think it's definitely worth... Actually, right now it looks like he's selling some of his systems. He has a, a yeah. German 128D converted to NTSC on, on for sale up there right now. Yeah. No, he's or got a lot up here, but uh, yeah. do not, do not use the code PG10 on his <laughs> website. It will not work. It will not work. There is no 10% off discount yet. Although I haven't verified that. It might work. I, don't <laughs> I guess you can give it a shot. We'll see what yeah. happens. <laughs> Um. Yeah. What about uh, what about this digital topic here? I'm interested. Oh, so Cody, can we get serious for a minute? Please, please, Eric. Let's get serious. Europe is a weird place, but they do. <laughs> they do. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Good do. start. There goes half our listeners. <laughs> I, I just killed half of our audience. They're they're never tuning back in. Europe is a weird place, but they do write things a lot. They okay. do stuff right a lot. And all right, all right. their court of justice in the European Union is working on making it mandatory mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for people to be able to resell their digital games. This is my standing ovation. Yes. <laughs> So I'm saying- going to tip my hat to the EU, and if this catches on there, um, I I hope it comes over here because that uh, it it it's just hard to even put into words how important that really is. When you buy a game, you should be able to sell it to someone else when you're done with it. That's all there is to it. Whether it's physical or digital or whatever, you should be now. If you have a system like Steam. I mean, that's a perfect thing because it, once you, if you, if there was some mechanism in there to sell and receive games in Steam, you yeah. couldn't play them anymore. So there's no piracy. It, it just removes your license to it. You can't use it anymore and you sell it to someone else. I think that I, that really means you own the game. If you can't sell your game, you don't own it. You're just leasing yeah. it. I was, I was, I think I might have clapped a little, a little far in advance. I, what I'm clapping is, uh, treating a digital game as a, a piece of property because you paid for it and you own it. So yes, yes I am. Cl- that being said, I'm also now kind of, I, you know, th- being able to permanently own the game is is my main goal. Yes, which you can't do on a lot of these services and systems. That's right. But reselling, I guess, that also leads me to think of all kinds of shenanigans that could happen because of that. So. Uh, I think this is going to be a very difficult thing to make viable. Um, but I love where they're going with it. I love the concept of it. Um, but, you know, I think I think if I was a games company, I'm never going to discount anything anymore because someone will buy your game when you sell it 75% off, and then they just kind of sell it through the little friend group until everyone's played it. 
I mean, I, I can see, I can see some, some stuff here that, yeah, that, that would make I it mean, hard I to be viable. See, I guess I, I could see. You, there's a lot of things you could do. Um, let's say, for instance, you could put like a year where you have to keep it for a year minimum. So that because I imagine most of these companies sell the lion's share of their games within the first year or two, right? Yeah, especially at full price. Yeah, at full price, exactly. So let them make their money and sell all of them, and you can't you can't resell it for a year, and then after that, you should be able to resell it and put it on the market for whatever money you want for it. I, I don't know. I think yeah. it's I, I think it gives the consumer a lot of rights that they right now are just giving away. And I don't, I don't like that. And that's one reason I know you and I are both advocates, uh, big advocates of physical games, but there are problems with physical games too. I mean, yeah, distribution. There's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. And I don't think we have enough time in the episode to really go down that rabbit hole, but yes, I, I am very interested to follow this and see what happens. This will be interesting. Yep. So anyway, cool. Yep, that's the, that's what I thought. I thought that would be very interesting to bring go up Europe. on the show. So. <laughs> um, Tim has one here. Do you want to read this one uh, for sure? Yep. Sonic Drift is getting a new 16-bit reimagining. A small team of developers are busy working on a free, free, I like that, Mega Drive Genesis-style tribute to Sonic Drift series. So I did check into this. So two things about this. First and foremost, again, I want to point out the, the difference between somebody who makes a Nintendo fan product, which immediately gets shut down okay. and, and just deleted and thrown off the face of the earth and <laughs> yes. sega with their sonic they they almost encourage people to make fan games yes. um so this is made by the same team or the same um yeah small team of developers that made if you remember uh, a game gear version uh, or i'm sorry game gear game into a genesis game and that was sonic triple trouble yep that's right with tails that. yeah and so this is the same thing sonic drift is originally a game gear game and they basically reimagined it as a basically super mario competitor on the genesis and it's it's got that whole um mode 7 feel and uh i will absolutely download download this and play uh here we go there it is play this on um on my genesis so there you go this, it looks really cool it actually looks <laughs> even more smooth than and better it really than, does um, the mode 7 on the on the super nintendo and no extra chips or anything like that. So right now you can play the demo. Uh, three tracks and seven characters available. So I will have to check that out. Nice. There we go. So I want to take one minute here. I finished my beer. And I didn't get to rate it. And I'm no, going to rate it. You said you wanted to do it later when we drink it together, I thought. But hey. Oh, oh well, we could do that. No, no rate no, it. You already fair. said it's potentially a beer of the year for next year. So I'll, I'll take- wait. That's fair. All right. All right. Oh man, now you got me all curious. You got the rating on the tip of your tongue. You already know what you want to. You got the scale in mind. You already got the percentage. I did. I was going to rate it out of twelve manger babies. (laughs) 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 But I'm going to. But no, 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 it's it's over now. I'm I'm I'm, going to reserve my rating for late for a later month. I I give it two bales of straw and a placenta. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Some mirth. Little myrrh in there. All right, sorry, that was and poor taste potentially. Um, 
If you want another new game for a, a, a not-so-common system to buy games on, Eric, I've got two yes. more for the MSX for you. Mm. And uh, I really do want to get some physical MSX game, but this looks... All right. This game looks like something... Everything I want er, Everything I want in a game is here except the gameplay. And I'll tell you in a second. But okay. a lot of people would be all about this. The game is called Tiny Magic. According to Indie Retro News, it's a high-quality and charming puzzle game for the MSX2. And you can take pre-orders now. Really nice, gorgeous artwork. Great box. And then you look at the actual um, screenshots and the video here. And it's probably the best looking msx2 game i've ever seen yep um here's actual footage of the gameplay yeah, I mean, look it at looks that. it looks beautiful it looks uh, almost like super mario brothers 3 kind of quality but top down zelda looking um and and if, if it was an rpg or if it was an action rpg or some sort of game like that I would buy this in a heartbeat at full price and be happy with it. But unfortunately, it is a straight puzzle game, Eric. And you and I don't love those. We do not love them. But, man, the color palette is wonderful. The graphics are amazing. Um, Cutscenes. The the MSX, man, is one machine I always want to boot up, but it just sits in a plastic tub over here. And I really want a reason to bring it out and play it. It's um, my aside from my Commodore, it's my second most used computer. Yeah. I love that thing. It's amazing. So man, it's too bad. Yeah, because I'm not a puzzle game fan. I'm definitely not not down with that. So, but definitely check that game out. It is gorgeous. All right, another one. This one from Time Extension, but this is another MSX2 game called Concrete Heart. It's a post-apocalyptic RPG. Now this game has a little it's a more more creative art style a little less um uh, commercial i guess but still very good and unique in its own way but this is a full-on japanese jrpg with like cyberpunks and dragons with sunglasses and um uh this one looks pretty solid as well uh but this is expected to come out in 2024 early 2025 so we we have a while to go on this one yet uh but this one uh looks like it's going to be both physical and a rom so anyways msx getting some love this week yeah um you be tim okay (laughs) and this sounds really interesting so i I need to look into this rival gangs ext is a top-down open world sandbox game for the zx spectrum 128k taking influence from the original GTA games. Did you ever play the original GTA games? The top-down ones? I played them a little bit uh, way after the fact. And uh, loved the concept, but never got comfortable enough the controls to really get dig into it. But this looks looks like it. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta say, once you play, like, the 3D ones, you're like, it's a little hard to go back to the top-down ones, even though, you know, driving around in the top-down ones, I I do love top-down racers. So, I mean, there is some fun to be had in... The original GTA games, but this looks just like the original GTA games, which is fun. I mean, I, I and and that this is on the ZX Spectrum, that is pretty novel. So, well, yeah, the 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 art and the uh, cover screens and stuff are definitely inspired by GTA. Now, the actual gameplay is is flip screen and uh, yes. very much looks like Spectrum graphics. But uh, gameplay is there if you're if you're able to play it with a bunch of flicky screens. <laughs> yep. That's cool. There you go. He just got out of his car and he's shooting people. 
Yeah, and and honestly, I'm a big fan of uh, Car Wars style games. You know, where you're driving around in vehicular combat. So, man, it looks like it might be a fun. I'm gonna have to look into this a little bit more. Load it up on the next. Load it up. A demo version containing the first level is free too. So oh, you can perfect. give it a shot. See if you like it. Go from there. Uh, Eric, I think you and I both put this one on, but I will let you read it because you got it in first here. Oh, did I? Okay. Well, yeah, and you might have some more to offer on this because I think you, you – do you have this? I, you know, I wish I did. Uh, I know it was on okay. sale for a while, but um, yeah, some Atari news here. Yeah, so the Atari 50, um, the anniversary edition, they have released free games for that for – so I didn't know they were going to do this. I didn't. I thought you bought Atari 50, the anniversary celebration, and that's what you got. You got the games in there. Yep. And it's a very um, almost like documentary style collection of games. When you go to a game, you can look at its history. It's like a museum. It's like a museum of Atari 2600 and, and others. There's and some, arcades and stuff, yeah. There's some arcade stuff. There's even some Jaguar stuff in there and and. So there's much more than just the games because uh, let's face it, a collection of 2,600 games. I mean, you can get those anywhere, but this adds a lot of history to it. And I thought once you got it, you're done. But no, they're they're adding for the holidays more games. And I so, don't remember exactly how much there, how many more games. Uh, looks like twelve. Yeah, 12 more games. 12 new Atari, and they're all 2,600 games except for one Lynx game. Yeah, Warbirds. But yeah, I mean, Atari doing very non-Atari things, like uh, giving people value for their money with with their license, which is, again, (laughs) we're we're starting to get confused because Atari's starting to come around on some of this stuff, and we're like, wow. Yep, exactly. So if you have the Atari 50th anniversary collection and you maybe played it enjoyed it but then put it back on the shelf pull it back out and get the update and you'll get a bunch of free games perfect herrick did i tell you that there's a bunch of old systems that are getting new releases (laughs) this month let's keep going on that train because let's keep doing it cyborg force is a game that's uh coming out it's new run and gun for the neo geo again there's some we're getting some physical neo geo games coming up here i'm just very excited about that that opportunity yes. um now in typical form i guess i you know neo geo for whatever reason translates well even back in the day and still now to the dreamcast so if you don't have a neo geo or don't want to spend 400 dollars on a huge neo geo cartridge uh you'll be able to buy the dreamcast version it's also coming out on the psp and um and I think they're actually, I mentioned here, they'll be selling the ROM individually as well, which is what I appreciate because I can throw it on my little SD, uh, I shouldn't say little, my gigantic Neo Dio cart. Yes. Uh, but Cyborg Force, I'll be honest, this game um, doesn't look as amazing as some of the other ones I've seen that are copying Metal Slug, but it's a, uh, it does look like a solid, stylized Metal Slug run and gun kind of um, kind of game very much kind of more contra than metal slug but definitely in the metal slug vibe and yep. um and that cyborg force i see uh, big bad dudes that look almost like the original duke nukem the pc version and um very much contra type uh, levels and platforms but with a with a whole lot of bullets on the screen at the same time and blasting things with you and your buddy and it's a running gun and it's neo geo 
looks great. I mean, there's parallax scrolling in the backgrounds. There's it is kind of bullet hellish in certain areas. Uh, well, I wouldn't say hellish. I mean, there's well, there's a lot. I actually that feels very contra actually. Um, yeah, m- more so than Metal Slug. So I don't know. Part of me appreciates that it's not the typical kind of chibi Metal Gear style graphics. It's something yeah. else. Um, yeah. So I, I it looks cool, but you're right. I know I I heard about this on another podcast, and I guess. Did you? The Neo Geo cart's going to be a lot of money. <laughs> well, they always are. I mean, that's just how it is. So actually, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. The MVS version, which is the arcade version, is three hundred and sixteen fifty euros, so like four hundred bucks. And then the uh, AES version is a little bit more, three hundred and thirty-three euros. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there it is what it is. So, but you can buy just the ROM and put it on your cartridge, which is what I would do. Yeah, it'd be neat if it was a Dreamcast game in a case and stuff. That would be fun, too. I'm sure they'll do that as well. Yeah. They usually do. Cool. Um, This is a real quick. I guess it's not that big of a deal, but uh, interesting that they are bringing back the Mana series, like Secret of Mana, and uh, those games that I loved on the 16-bit systems, and eventually I think they had a 32-bit one as well. But uh, they're coming back on all the new consoles, you know, your Xbox, your PlayStations, your PCs with a game called Visions of Mana coming out in 2020. And it looks kind of like every current Japanese game out there with these just super stylized anime people. Um, but that being said, you watch it and you'll see uh, some cues to the original Mana games and that the gameplay, although it's kind of uh, that you know character in front running around um, kind of like uh, Breath of the Wild style, um, it does have kind of that Seeker of Mana action RPG vibe. So looks kind of cool. It's coming out from Square Enix. It does look cool. Yeah. I've never really gotten into one of these games, except for, I guess, you know, Breath of the Wild, which is, is more or less in this vein. But I feel like every game from Japan now comes out as this, this style of game. You know what this really reminds me of is I got into that uh, Yeez game. I love Yeez. Yeah, the the Yeez game, the last one I played, I don't remember the full title, but it looked a lot like this. A lot. And what I do like about this, it's got this kind of hand-drawn, self-shaded 3D, but also 2D look. Yes. So, um, and there's the big monetary. So, anyways, cool. Yeah. I think I have like five great. other mono games to play first, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I found a video um, online that is a guy and I, I forget his name. It show it'll it'll say it in the a video of a guy. Got it. It's this guy. It's not even gonna come up here. But um oh Ken Making. What's Ken Making is the name of the YouTube channel. But he goes into like I w- I'm not gonna say definitive definition, but people there's arguments all over the internet about what's like software emulators versus FPGAs, like the analog pocket or the mister mm-hmm. about what the real difference is. What's the difference between software emulators and FPGAs? And he goes into it and he comes at it from a very approachable. Okay. Yeah. It's slightly, but an approachable way, but very like the nuts and bolts of the programming and how the clocks work. Um, as they send instructions to the chips and he goes into it, but in detail, but also in a very understandable uh, way for people like me, not looking down your nose at you kind of way. Yep. So he explains it and he doesn't pick a side. He's, he says that both are valid ways to play games. Both are very good ways to play games. 
And there's pros and cons of both. Like FPGAs are a lot more expensive than software emulators, obviously, but FPGAs are more cycle accurate. Um, and he goes, he, he, he shows you, cause a lot of times when you see these arguments on the internet, they'll go into like, well, my software emulator seems to play games just fine. So he'll bring up actual yeah. games where it glitches mm-hmm. or it shows you know, like it doesn't play quite right. And then he'll play it on the mister and it plays perfectly. But then also the mister is like $200 more than what it would be yeah. to set up. So, I mean, there's pros and cons, but he goes into it and explains the nuts and bolts differences between software emulators and FPGA. So if you're ever cool. interested in that, there'll be a link in our show, show notes for uh, what's Ken making. And it's an excellent video. And I, I learned a lot from it. I think it's great. And he gets down into the schematics and like charts and all kinds yep. of different emulation and physical car- consoles. And wow, yeah, I could I could waste a half hour watching this. Yes, and it's very cool. good. It's not boring at all. It's very good. So give it a shot, and, and you'll learn a lot. Very cool. This yep. news item really isn't that much of a news item. It's more like something that was kind of interesting as a news item, but it totally okay. just jogged my nostalgia, to be honest with you. And there is somebody trying to make a digital recreation of these original Zelda scratch cards from 1989. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen these, Eric. I haven't. Uh, my parents would never buy this kind of stuff. Okay. So I really didn't have that much to do, but I always had friends that had these laying around and they were scratched off. And it was, uh, if I understand it correctly, you'd go to the store and, and buy a packet of these cards. It would only come with like three or four of these cards. And they're like lottery scratchers, basically. But yeah, your goal was to scratch off. There's, you know, like 12 of these little circles, depending on which game you're playing. Uh, links on one side um, and, and enemies on the other side. And you'd scratch off... Uh, one of the you know one at a time and you're trying to get enough like attacks uh you know before the enemy attacks you and then hopefully you have a shield so you can defend it and it's really just kind of like did you scratch off the right ones at the right time and you kind of keep track of the game yourself and of course once you've scratched off everything in the order if you either beat the guy or you lost the guy the card is now no good for anything ever again right it's just kind of collectible or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah so um Anyway, somebody's taken this. They're, it was made by Topps originally, the Nintendo Game Pack. And they had them for multiple different um, Nintendo franchises, but the one I particularly remember was Link and uh, or Zelda. Or, you know, which Adventures of Link, I think is what they called it here, though. So it's based on the second game, I guess. But there you go. Uh, somebody's recreating these digitally, and uh, I think the big thing is you know, them trying to get enough of these scratch cards to try to create a realistic algorithm to correctly randomize the attacks and defense and all the different icons and where they would correctly go. That's uh, pretty neat. So it's an interesting project that's easy to replicate, but hard to actually get the data part of it correct. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I totally remember these. I'm like, oh man, I completely forgot. I would have, I, that's something I would have loved as a kid, something like that. So that's pretty neat. And Eric, it's time for the end of the news, which I call the news, news, news of the weird, 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 weird. Uh, Sega's selling $800 watches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did see these online. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy a Mega Drive or Genesis watch. They're $800 a piece. Uh, they don't look good, and they're expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they don't look good. 
I, I would not be caught dead with one of these. I'm not going to lie. Uh, even though I'm a retro gamer, I'm not going to wear one of these and say, yeah, remember, see this dorky looking thing? Yeah, this was $800. So um, I guess uh, it's Anacorn is making these or the, in collaboration with Kojima Productions. I don't know. They go on sale earlier in December, so they're on sale now. And again, uh, there's three models here, a Mega Drive, a Genesis, and... Um, I guess a different version. I guess if you're in the UK or in Japan, you've got your version of the Mega Drive, Genesis, whatever you want to call it. So there you go. Definitely something I would never, ever buy for $800. That's crazy. That's crazy money for really any watch, but that's just me. Another thing that I, although I understand to a point, uh, would not spend my money on is if you want to buy video game soundtracks on vinyl, I love the concept of it because vinyl is cool. Yeah. And video game soundtracks, most of them I really enjoy, but in the context of playing a video game. Um, this is very specific. So, I've never even heard of this game, but it's a soundtrack on vinyl that you can buy of the game Contra Rebirth. Now, Contra Rebirth doesn't ring a bell for me, Eric, and it turns out that's because it was a specific WiiWare title back in 2009. Uh, I'm sure it was good. It was developed by M2, but uh, to my knowledge, it's not a game you can get anymore or play anymore. But oh, you can buy the soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to play the game because uh, yeah, I, I love Contra and it, M2 makes good stuff. But for 30 bucks, it's actually really good looking. It's, it's bizarre. It's a very uh, artsy. It's not like a picture of the video game. It's definitely... It's almost like hand, tie-dye. Hand-drying, yeah. Hippie tie-dye, black light, and then the... Uh, really cool clear vinyl with a red and blue splatter on it uh it's it's a cool looking piece but there you go kind of news so weird just because the uh, subject matter is kind of so archaic or not archaic but um esoteric yeah. no you're right and then i had two pieces of atari news eric which at this point i just put in the news of the weird because it's atari and i don't know whatever what's going going on with them one of them you already touched on, which is Atari being good Atari, adding 12 games to the 50th anniversary, I can't talk, Eric, 50th <laughs> anniversary celebration. And then we had to have a yin to our yang. Atari is now taking pre-orders for a $299.99 limited edition cartridge set. So for $300, you can have four new Atari 2600 games that are copies of old games i i think these are actually the new games though um okay which is which is a bummer for me because so we've got dark chambers which i guess was an old game but never got released okay save mary outlaw and fatal run i I think these are all games that were never on the 2600 before uh in beautiful boxes with with correct atari 2600 cartridges but 300 dollars for four of these games man um that's heart that, that just gives me heartburn that's that's not doable for me if these were 29.99 each i would probably buy a couple yeah 300 dollars. my goodness so anyways there's yeah. atari being atari again and it's limited the the looks like the set is limited to 500 copies so well and what i, I mean what i hope is if people want to get their limited stuff and it comes in a little box so it all looks like one nice set great now then sell individual copies for reasonable prices or something please that'd be great um all right eric that is the news my friend nice lots of good news 
Lots of good news. Do you want to have another quick beer before we uh, start this battle? I would love one. Go for it, Eric, and I'll watch you drink it. (laughs) Is that awkward? Exactly. I'm going to bring... I'm going to have this vanilla porter. And we I think we've had this on the show a long time ago. Which one's that? Show me. From Breckenridge Brewery. It is a vanilla porter. I don't think I've had that one. That looks amazing. Okay, so maybe you, yeah, maybe we haven't had it. I could have sworn we did. And Eric, I will be lighting up another stick of incense and having a Tahava unsweetened original black tea. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be delicious. Straight out the bottle. You know what? Uh, no, I'm going to pour mine in a glass. Porter, a porter, a porter. I can't drink porters out of a bottle. Porter out of a bottle would be weird. I agree with that. Or a can would be even weirder. I'll do a lager. I'll do a pilsner. I'll do a red ale out of a bottle, but I won't do a porter. So there it is. Vanilla porter. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Sipping on that tea. Mm-hmm. This smells vanilla-y. You know, I might have just had this on my own and not on the show. I bet that's what happened. Roasted malts with notes of vanilla. 5.4%. Breckenridge Brewery. It actually sounds a lot like the uh, plum blossom incense I'm smelling right now. (laughs) It's actually a very similar flavor profile. All right, so you're not rating this one either, right? No, no, I'm not going to rate this one. All right. Well, that means we're going to hop right on in to our final segment of the evening, and that is Battle of the Systems. Battle of the Systems. <laughs> All right, Eric, we are back. Now, real quick, before we enter our battle, there's one piece of news I forgot to put on my page here, but I wanted to talk about it real quick. Yes, I would love it. I've been following this, and I was trying to buy this from the original creator who was making it by hand and eventually stopped and handed over production to Vector Republic. But there is a new Vectrix game out called Veerzon. Veerzon. Now, Vector Republic is the same um, company that reproduces Quartz. I've talked about that game on the show and Frontier. Um, And they've made some other games, Big Blue. I still need to get a copy of Big Blue. So I'm probably going to order up Big Blue and Veerzon. Now, this game, uh, of course, it's great production with a good-looking cart, full manual, and an overlay and the whole thing. But uh, there's some gameplay here, and it's really a... um, Space Invaders style Vectrix game, but what's really cool about it is all kinds of cool patterns and nods to other titles. Yeah, um, like though it had asteroids coming down. The, these ones, they they undulate di- in different patterns. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's. I mean, as I scroll through here, you just it, there's a ton of different variations. So um, it Isn't looks it like a really they- solid Vectrix game. Is it amazing what they can do with Vectrex like now? Like none of the old games were as sophisticated as some of these new games, and these new games are just crazy good. Yeah, so gonna have to get myself a copy of this. Yep. Um, so maybe work, work together with uh, a backbit order as well as maybe a 
vector republic order i don't know maybe you and i can work together on these but yeah uh, if you're interested if you're interested I, I think i would be for this for that game that game looks really good uh that being said no babies were hurt during the making of this uh new segment so that's good no In major fact, babies <laughs> did you save did you save the child yet or are you still kind of waiting and see um that brings us right on up to uh battle of the systems which we just played the sound effect so now you know you're here and uh yes. eric we're doing we're doing falling block puzzle games as we've called it yes we are i'm ready Mm-hmm. so here's our battle of the system which is there one you would like to start with well, so we mentioned it at the beginning, but we've got Super Street Fighter, I'm sorry, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, which mm-hmm. is a Capcom arcade game. Yes. Going up against the other system, which is the Neo Geo arcade system, and the game is called Money Puzzle Exchanger or Money Idol Exchanger. And a lot of people have heard of the first game but not the second one. I've played both and I I've, I've enjoyed both immensely. Uh, yep. So I was very excited to really dig into them for this and uh, and really kind of do a battle. Um, now, real quick, I want to make sure, because we talk about this a lot, but I don't know if we've ever quantified it to ourselves. I do call these falling block puzzle games, mm-hmm. uh, even though, because in, so basically get puzzle games in the realm of like Tetris, right? Which was the kind of, uh, right. not the OG, the OG falling block puzzle game, but for example, I would also say Bust a Move is a falling block puzzle game, even though you yep. shoot bubbles up. It's not a block and it's not falling, it's bubbles shooting up. And uh, and one of these games is falling blocks, the other one is kind of, we'll get into it, but um, pulling items down and shooting them back up. It's it's, But it's this kind of time-based, um, strategic game where it's not a puzzle in the in the sense that there's one solution. It's a puzzle in the sense that you're just trying to match a bunch of stuff together as quick as possible, and eventually there's strategies and combos and other stuff going on. Chains. Chains. Got item. Uh, and there's usually, yeah, like a Japanese voice yelling English, semi-English phrases in the background, which just adds to the charm. That's right. Anyways, okay, so do you agree with me? I mean, that's... Yep. I agree with you, and it's almost like a a game where it's got a a rectangle kind of screen, and there are things come on the top of the screen, and then the rest is just mechanics, like, you know, whether you're shooting things, or you're pulling down things and shooting them back up, or whatever. Or dropping planets planets into a jar. Exactly. So... Or or pills on top of viruses in a jar. Yep. Um, So, I agree with you. Yep. So, which one do you want to start with, Eric? I think the known quantity here is Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, to to a larger extent. Sure. Let's start there? Yep, let's start there. So, I'm going to read you some dry statistics on this game. This is, of course, by Capcom, because it is a Street Fighter-themed um, game. Themed, there you go, yeah. Yeah, Street Fighter-themed game. It has very little to do with Street Fighter, to be honest. I mean, I don't. Well, I don't want to say that either. I mean, there is a lot. The gameplay doesn't, but the theme is thick. Exactly. Um, and you'll you'll know about this as we explain the game. It uh, the developers Capcom, of course. Um, uh, let's see. We uh, let me think here. So this came out on a lot of different platforms, but it first came out um, in the arcade. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless Sneeze. you. Bless Ooh. you. My goodness. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so it came out on the arcade, but it came out on a ton of stuff. PlayStation, Sega Saturn, Windows, Dreamcast, Game Boy, uh, well, Game Boy Advance, mobile phones, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. Uh, but the arcade one was released in May 1996. Um, they call it here on Wikipedia, which is where I get my my best dry statistics. Um, it, they call it a tile-matching fighting game. I don't agree mm-hmm. with that. Kay. It's not fi- fighting. Well, tile-matching puzzle it's game. It's fighting yeah. in a sense. It's fighting in a sense because you are competing with a player on the other side, whether it's second player or a computer. Yes. Um, it is on, if you're interested in this on the arcade system, it is on the CP system too, which is a very popular Capcom architecture for their arcade games. So those are some dry statistics for you. Um, this was released in Japan as super puzzle fighter two X. Okay. Um, it has characters from Street Fighter Alpha and Dark Dark Stalkers in it. That's interesting because they don't say anything about Dark Stalkers, but yeah, they have Morgan and and uh, yep. Felina. Yep, Cat. Okay. All right, so that's that. So let's start talking about the game. Well, so obviously all the uh, the right uh, sounds and uh, visuals for a Street Fighter game are here. Uh, yep. They're thick on that. The theme is strong. The music is is good, uh, uh, pretty darn good. It looks the part, and it, it does that very well. Um, the characters are hand-drawn, and they're chibi, so they have little bodies, big heads. Yeah. So they kind of, they're trying to differentiate this from your kind of super serious uh, Street Fighter game and say, hey, this is this is a, uh, a guide-in, Eric. This is a, a side tangent to the That's original right. series. Um. So this game, uh, I, I want to let you talk more about the gameplay if you if you would. But I will say sure. the game you kind of mentioned it. There is no like, I mean, there is one player ways to play this game, but it's not a single player game. It is you versus another opponent, whether it's a computer or another opponent. It is right. only a battle. There is no other method to play the game. It is, it is a. Uh, if you don't, well, I don't know, Eric. You can insist on. I was going to say if you don't like timers. <laughs> that's essentially yeah. what the game is is you trying to do stuff quicker than the person next to you otherwise bad things happen right yeah it, uh, yeah there's not a timer per se but um here, here here's a description of the game according to me um okay. dear listener here we go so you have a screen and it's you against like we said a computer or another player and there are rectangles and there are these little gems that come down the screen and they're multicolored gems. The goal of the game is you are piling these gems up to basically build bigger gems. Cause as you, as you um, stack them in grids of, I think four is the minimum one or maybe it's, six or eight i don't remember but anytime you can make a a rectangle a complete rectangle yeah yep and then once you make a big gem you can keep adding to that gem and that's kind of where the strategy in the game comes then there's these little circles with little things that kind of orbit the circle those aren't little gems but if you touch those to a gem you've already made it eliminates that big gem and causes the gems above it to fall down 
And in that, you can make chains. So if you have a little, if you have a big red gem that you've created and then you drop a little red circle onto it, but you have a blue circle above that and it will fall and continue falling, you can basically make chains where a bunch of stuff on the screen gets eliminated. When you do that, when you make chains or when you eliminate large gems, it there's an animation in the middle of you. Let's say you're Chun-Li and you're fighting the other person, which is maybe Ken or whatever. That your character will do some kind of awesome move on the other character. So that's where the fighting element of this game comes in. And when you do that awesome move, it's going to dump a whole bunch of timer yep. blocks yep. onto the He's other person's play field that count down from five to zero. So every time yep. you place a block, the, all the counters go down one. Yep. And if you match the, the, the timer blocks are colored, and if you match those up with the color of the blocks that you're sending down, you can eliminate the the colored blocks of in in that row if that makes any sense but they're a lot um, harder to get rid of until they hit zero and turn into normal gems of that color so the blocks really really get you in this game yep they Those really do blocks. and they prevent you from any kind of strategy you have if you don't jump out and start making offensive moves against your character you'll start getting these crappy blocks which block you your original strategies of any kind and it becomes much harder to clear things out. So, you know, it is important to kind of jump out early with some offense to kind of get your opponent back on his heels so that you can then build bigger chains and bigger blocks to, to send more uh, fighting moves to your opponent. Then each, when you do... Oh, yeah, go ahead. When, when you do finally do that, there's a big KO... There's some kind of big move like a Shuriken or something. And then you eliminate your opponent and then you move on to the next opponent. And it's kind of in a street fighter style grid of enemies. And you just keep moving through your enemies until you beat the game. And you are trying to win two out of three battles again, just like Correct. street fighter as yep. well. Yep. Um, yep. Th- now <laughs> the one thing you might ask is what's the difference between characters besides the fact that their little animations in the center of the screen are cute and they do different moves, even though, it's just animations. Um, yeah. It's just the the only difference that I can tell is that the blocks that you drop on your opponent can show up in different patterns. Um, so it might be a whole bunch of vertical columns of different colors, or it might be a diagonal columns, or it might be blocks like a checkerboard pattern. Um, I, I I don't I couldn't tell if there was a specific benefit to one person or another. Um, but um and then of course they say some cute things in between fights as well so uh it looks like to to play through the whole game you have to beat every opponent just like in in street fighter and i think it's eight total opponents uh, if you're playing against the computer to quote unquote win the game yep and like any falling tile thing that does show what is coming up next Yep, and the key thing of building a strategy is being able to look at that real quick and knowing where you're going to set pieces down um speed is important in this game so you got to get those blocks down set them quickly because again you will build momentum of getting the first hits 
and the second hit and kind of knocking your opponent back on their heels so that they have all these crappy timer blocks and can't can't get a strategy going you know what i mean yeah yeah um i think that's it what do you what did you think about the game eric i love the game i've had a lot of fun with this game um i did start i did i was very mediocre at this game until i'll admit i was looking online on youtube videos and found a guy who was like oh if you're not very good at this game here's what you could do and the goal was to not worry about how high your blocks get stacked. Mm-hmm. Build big arse gems. And mm-hmm. then eliminate those gems as soon as you can to get big um, blows on your opponent. And then once you do that, you will start chaining wins together. And uh, that's really the key to getting fur. I think I beat five opponents as my max. I never beat the game on one credit. Mm-hmm. Um on one credit, I was able to get through five opponents. Yeah. And I think, I think the little sayings they have in between are really cute. I think the animations are really cute. Um, yeah. Visually it, and thematically, the game is excellent for sure. Yep. So I really enjoyed this game a lot. This is a game that again, falling block puzzle game check, big check for me, player versus player falling block puzzle games. Yet just another check, which I th- think is super cool. Uh, the theme and the sound and visuals and everything, high quality, another check. For some reason, this game doesn't, um, the sum of its parts is less than the individual pieces, if that makes sense. I And I can't, I, it, the only thing I can attest it to is that maybe the gameplay. I played a lot of this uh, on, I think it was on Xbox uh, for a while with my family. We were playing it for a mm-hmm. few days. And, um, you know what it came down to. I know I played the computer. I played uh, against my family, and then recently, you know, for this, obviously, I played a bunch on my on my arcade machine. And um, it I, the strategy that, that worked for me is just shoving blocks down as quick as possible without any worry about where they go, and just getting to the big power gem as quick as possible. So you start raining stuff on your opponent. I feel like the timer blocks going from five down to zero. Like it takes so long for those to to kick down that once there's timer blocks in your way, like you're done. Yeah, um, that's what I meant about like there is a strategy to getting knocking your opponent on their heels like early on. So you got to get those yeah. blocks down quick. But building big gems is like big monster punches in this game. Like if you can build big gems and then eliminate those gems, you will score big, big hits on your opponent, which forces a lot more timer blocks on their side, and they can't recover from that. So there really is a race in the beginning. It's yeah, a race. It's, yeah. it's, it's a race, and that's, I guess, where maybe that's where my mind kind of loses some interest because I want to sit there and make big gems, but typically, yeah, when you're on the fourth or fifth enemy, or even when I'm yeah. playing my family, <laughs> it really comes down to who can get garbage on the other person first and this again you had success with the big blocks but for me it was just like even if it's little ticky tack stuff it's like once you get timer blocks over there you can't recover (laughs) like so i'm just like go get some timer blocks over there keep them off their game until that big there's a big diamond that eventually comes down that will get rid of anything of one color and then just just destroys them the only thing you got to remember is that you can eliminate a ton of blocks by their counters, their move counters. So you can like, 
if you have a bunch of threes, you just got to drop three things and those threes will turn back into regular blocks. And then typically those blocks will chain. And so you can make comebacks in this game. You can, I think it'd be really fun to play, play you since you've had some experience with this. Um, yeah, I've never played a human opponent that, um, I wasn't able to destroy with that, strategy that has nothing to do with game skill just me not telling my family hey if you just put a bunch of blocks yeah. down really quick that's how i'm doing this um so that'd be that'd be fun to try um yeah but yeah well, like I'm i said i wasn't, an, ultimately, I wasn't an expert on this game but i did beat five which was was very hard to do on normal difficulty yeah yeah i typically would get to four and every once in a while i can get to, to about five yeah uh and then and then it just got exponentially harder um I think it's a game that's easy to get into and very difficult to master. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, for, for me, for whatever, it's a game I like, but I couldn't find a way to say I loved it. I could understand that. So out of a 18 chain combo, 18 chain combos, 18 chain combo. What are we going to give this one? Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this one a, I'm going to give it a 14. All right. I was going to go 13. So we're, we're similar here. We're very yep. similar. Cool. Right on. So now we're going to go with money puzzle exchanger. And that's just what I'm going to call it from here on out. Yep. Sometimes it's called money idle exchanger. Just depends on, uh, I think, where you get it or where you play it on or whatever. But that's what I'm calling it. Money puzzle exchanger. Some dry stats on that. Developer is a company called Face. In your face. So one of the rare games released for the Neo Geo that wasn't a Neo Geo right. um, developed game. Yep. Uh, the Let's see. It obviously came out on Neo Geo arcade platform MVS first. It was released in 1997. Uh, it is a single player or multiplayer game. Um, the producer was Kengo Asai. I don't, I don't, I, I, that doesn't sound familiar to me for any other games. Uh, I think this is I don't really a one-off developer, everything. I think it's, it's, it's kind of yeah. an odd one-off game. Um, let's see if there's any other good dry statistics. I mean, this also came out on a lot of different platforms, although I don't have a good list here on Wikipedia, but I mean, there was, it did come out on the Game Boy in 1997. It came oh, out really? on the PlayStation November 5th, 1998. Um, it was on the PlayStation Network for a while. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch in 2018. So it did come out on a lot of different platforms. I'm not sure why they're not listing them here um, on Wikipedia, but uh, but I did find that information on other places. So, I mean, I, I was not if you want to play this, you can... Any ports. I thought it was arcade only. I've never seen a port of it. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, it says it was ported to the Game Boy in 97, PlayStation in 98. um, And it was in the Neo Geo's arcade arcade archives series for Neo Geo on the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. So I think you can find to play it on somewhere else if you can't find it on arcade. I'm going to look into that. That's interesting. So I did do a quick look for face. Yeah. (laughs) And does say a relatively obscure Japanese video game developer. It basically yeah. just made games for the TurboGrafx 16 slash PC Engine and, yeah. and Neo Geo. And that's about it. 
Um, and then I, I could read you some of these games, but you would recognize none of them. Uh, the only oh, one that's... Yeah, there's there's one game called uh, Hanny in the Sky where there's a little like, pencil thing. It's a shooter that was on the Neo Geo. I, I, I've seen yeah. that one before. Uh, and Metal Stoker sounds familiar, but for the most part, nothing. Yeah, I mean, there's um, a ton of them, but I mean, you wouldn't know. I don't think many people would recognize any of these games. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, there we go. Money Puzzle Exchanger. Uh, yep. what, what I will say is when it starts up, it is um, not my favorite aesthetic, but it is very, very Japanese anime uh, done in that kind of um, blue and pink, almost like um, schoolgirl um, manga style. Is that the right term? Yeah, there was, and I'm not an anime manga style, same, but that same. chick they just showed on there looked kind of like a Sailor Moon. Yeah, very kinda. Sailor Moon. There you go. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I have no idea what that means other than I've seen the little pictures of them on yep. the internet and stuff. And so. the blue and pink, <laughs> very blue and pink. And uh, I would say uh, not quite as polished as it almost feels more like an Amiga game as far as the graphic design with kind of textures and and sprites that don't necessarily match um the rare amiga burn from cody <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. yep <laughs> not not too rare not um, too rare <laughs> but the game is um the, the music is excellent it's very neo geo it, it yes. i feel like i was playing um neo turf masters or something like that i loved the song uh or the songs and the music and uh the sound effects are that you know Again, Japanese uh, people yelling English phrases, uh, more or less uh, partially correct. And um, and what I do like about this game, so it is very similar in that you can the, the the base gameplay is you playing against another person or computer. So it's very similar to Puzzle Fighter in that respect. However, you always have the option to do solo play, in which it is a true falling block kind of uh equivalent to like a tetris yep. where the, the pieces fall faster and faster and you're trying to keep up and, and so I, you have and two I ways to play to try to get better at this game because i yeah. was i'm just gonna spoil it i was pants at this game i was horrible at it so. were you okay it did it took this game might be very similar to super puzzle fighter from my point of view and that you do have to practice it and get better you you have to yeah you have to, easy to get into hard to master and i've played this um you know multiple times a year ever since i built my arcade uh but i've never put more than you know 20 minutes into it but always love going into it so this is the most i've ever delved into it but nonetheless uh the gameplay so there's two buttons i know neo geo you got four buttons to use you don't need c you don't need d you only need a and b and long story short a is going to take your character at the bottom of the screen which clicks into place there's let's see seven positions right left to right for for money for coins to come down the top of the screen and they come down in full rows so a full row of seven across uh if you want to you can double tap down and that will add the rows will come down faster so you have more to work with but then of course you have less time to work with it because it's closer to the bottom of the screen and you don't want those to build up and go below the bottom of the screen but the a button will take a coin from the column that you're in and suck it down to your character it'll like uh grab it right or or several <clears throat> coins if they're matches well you, right? you'd hit it yes uh so it'll take a coin if the coin behind that coin is the same type of coin it, it'll bring down everything 
until it hits a new type of coin. So yeah, you'll you'll Correct. take that. Now what's this is what I love about this game. So and then B does the opposite, takes everything that you have in that order and shoots it back when you're ready to go to a different area and then shoot it all back. So you're moving coins from different areas and then shooting them back into a column. That's the gameplay. What's <clears throat> what I love about it is so, for example, I'm looking at a screen right now where there's a row of tens, three tens right here. There's two tens in the middle and one ten over to the right. You can go to each of those columns and take in all those coins. You don't have to be shooting them immediately. You can put load yourself with six tens in a row and then shoot them. So what's the point of the game? <clears throat> You're exchanging currency. So the lowest currency is a one. So if you can get five uh, ones to touch each other, either vertically or orthog- it's orthogonally. Diagonal doesn't count, but if you have you know two in one row and the next to that three in one row, that's five ones, they will become a nickel, essentially. They'll become a five-cent piece. Well, how many five-cent pieces do you need to make the next one, which is ten? Two. So if you have a five, another five, you shoot that and it makes a ten. How many tens do you need to make a fifty? Five again. How many fifties for a hundred? Two. And then how many hundreds to make a 500, which is the biggest coin, which is the only one that doesn't really translate to American money. Um, you know, two 500s will, or will actually create a dollar and it'll disappear off the board. So you're running around trying to organize coins to exchange them to the next currency. And the same thing, you can set it up where you create uh, chains where those coins turn into a new coin, which it connects and creates another coin and then that coin turns into a new coin that creates the fifth coin and it just keeps going and um you know it 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 it, uh when you're playing against another player obviously that's going to throw more stuff on their screen more more stuff their way uh so they have to try to deal with it faster and then what i really like is the solo play because when you're doing the solo play um see if i can find the final score here oh it doesn't show a good example of it um, but you get points for the amount of chains you get, the amount of total um, different, uh, the, the biggest chunk of coins that you got off the board at one time. They have like five different categories. So you're not just trying to stay alive as long as possible. You're working on like three different or five different ways to score uh, to get the, the max points in solo mode. Um, what did I forget, Eric? I'll stop talking. No, I think you... You, you got the the highlights here. Um, one thing I find interesting in the in the versus game is that um, the coin matrix that is coming down is the same for each player. Oh yeah. So yep. So it's very. Uh, I, that's just one thing. Weird thing I noticed was it could be random, but it's not. It is the same on each side. So it really is who plays that specific board better is the person who's going to win because you both have the same coins. Um, there are two special coins. One is RU yeah. and one is ER. Um, the green RU tile will rank up all coins of the same denomination. For example, all 10 coins will become 50s. So it ranks them up. Um, the ER one will erase all coins of the same value. So if you, collide that with another one of like a 10 it'll erase all the tens um i think that's about all you you really missed i mean those are the only two special coins that are out there yeah yeah i mean that's that is the game um it keeps track of your lines 
I'm watching two player. When you're playing two player, the animation behind and like in the background of your game gameplay area is where the character animations are happening, and they're excited or upset or distraught or whatever. But um, you know, kind of your typical bizarre anime characters uh, yeah. doing over over the top acting. Um, <clears throat> And the same thing, if you want to try to play through against the computer, there's eight players to play against. So very similar, again, to Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Um, and in this game, originally, I was only able to get through, like, three players mm-hmm. on one coin. By the end, I was able to get to about six on one coin. And then I kind of had to coin feed my way to get to the eighth. Uh, and then I could not beat the eighth yet. I thought, but I want to. <laughs> I really want yeah. to. I, this, I mean, as far as I guess gameplay curve, what do you what do you think? Um, difficulty curve. <clears throat> oh, the difficulty curve. I only got to the third player. Like no matter how hard I tried, on one credit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had a weird blind spot to this game. I kept only focusing on vertical elimination, like mm-hmm. coins in a vertical row. Or am I saying vertical? Yeah, vertical yeah. row. Um, Column, I, I really didn't focus on like that that you could branch out and do horizontal lines as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like and for some reason I had a mental block on that. That's not the game's fault. That's just me as a bad player in this game. Um another thing is that woof, just trying to do math in a in a game, not fun <laughs> for me. I mean, I don't want to sound like a like 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 I'm an idiot, but I'm sitting there like trying to calculate like in my brain, like going, okay, I gotta, I gotta make a 500 coin. So I really need like five, one hundreds. And, <laughs> and like, I am like sitting here doing math and like, I am failing miserably. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a much more language kind of English guy than I ever was in math. I was not the strongest math student. So, um, and I know this isn't like, this is really basic kindergarten math here, but I mean, I, I just it was very it was it was very difficult for me to be good at this game. Well, I think you touched on it because it took me a while to get better. I'm definitely not good at it, but uh, and it's you know it's, I've played it over the years to be honest with you. So yeah, um, I think you you play this game and at first you're like I like the concept, but I'm not understanding how I get good at it. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. just keep at it, and all of a sudden something, something will click. So the first thing that will click eventually was. You know, the math thing, all of a sudden you're not doing math. You're just, you know that, oh, it's a blue coin. I need five of those to to move on. And that becomes yes. the gold coin. I need two of those to move because it goes five, two, five, two, five, two. Uh, and eventually that clicks. And then while you're doing that, eventually the same thing happens with those verticals, right? You start realizing, oh, wait, I don't need to just collect vertical lines. I can actually get to the point where I tell myself to go over and collect coins. And while I'm doing that, I'm looking somewhere else on the screen, realizing where more more of those are right? and where I can slip these in. And then it like these aha moments keep compounding. And to me, this is just a super interesting, unique take on this genre that I found. Um, this is going to sound ridiculous. I found exhilarating, Eric. Uh, nice. no, I think it is very underappreciated, very under, uh, I don't know where this developer came from. It's got polish. It's got unique gameplay that is different than Tetris and different than Bust a Move. Um, it's I, cute. I love I mean, it. it's got a lot of cute animations and they're funny. Um, 
I, I, I don't want to give the impression I didn't like this game. I, I enjoyed it. I just wasn't very good at it. And, and it, it did seem like the more I played, I, I would incrementally get better, but not, not, not leaps and bounds better. Like, like, I don't know. I, I had a very hard time visualizing the proper moves in this game. And that's not the game's fault. The game is solid um, and it's fun. And there's a lot of different modes to enjoy solo play, you know, versus computer, et cetera. I, I think there's a lot to like in this game. It just, I wasn't very good at it for some, and, and I, yeah. I, I didn't get much better at it. And I played it a lot during, during this uh, session. So, and that's how I feel about super puzzle fighter <laughs> for me. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, I'm, I think this game. I would love to see this game get uh, modernized, and um, yeah, I think there's some cool stuff you could do with this game. Adding a simple thing. Um, I don't think the uh, the R U and R E are terribly exciting. I'd love to see those get removed and replaced with like some sort of bomb or something. Yeah, or or a couple of things to spice it up. And I think it'd be really cool to kind of go further with. I mean, it's definitely an arcade game. It's there to suck your money and. Uh, you play through the games very quickly. It'd be cool to see kind of a home port style game where they focus on uh, maybe some, um, you know, levels where it's like, hey, here's a, here's a, I hate to say the word puzzle, but here's a situation. Let's see if you can get through this one. Then you move on to this one. Then you can move on to this one. And um, I think there's some really cool stuff this game could do if they made a, a sequel to it. Um and maybe they and did some, on the, po- the home ports. I don't know. I'm going to look at them. Yeah, them. and some of the more cosmetic things on this game, like the um, the Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, there is like a little grid that shows enemies or, or you know, the people you're fighting against. It shows you a versus screen. I mean, there's some very similar things to to the, street fi- the Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo as well. I mean, there are some definite cosmetic similarities in in the screens you know so yeah all right what did you uh what do you want to rate this one out of 18 chain combos let me go 18 chain combos i am going to give this one i'm going to give this one a let's see i gave the last one a 14 i'm going to give this one 12 and a half Ooh, halfsies. 15 from me. 15 for you, okay. I was leaning towards 16, but I can't I can't honestly. I think it's just me being so excited to find a new puzzle game. Um So yeah, I'll give it I'll give it 15, but yeah, absolutely love it. So you so with the I'm gonna seek out the up, home ports. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd like to try out those home ports as well. So yeah, so I don't know what the winner would be. Let's see here. 14, 13, um, 16 and a half. You just for said me. you weren't good at math, and now we're making you do the math. Exactly. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I it looks like probably Money Exchanger would be the winner, right? Am I doing that? Right? But what, like a half a point? By half a point, yeah. Half a point. I think they're very similar, and depending on your, yeah, your your twist they're both worth playing absolutely and i think uh one is widely loved and i think maybe a little overrated in my opinion because people really love that game and i don't think it's quite as deep as it is kind of led to believe but still very good and then this one i i 
I think it needs some love. Yeah. No, it's both, they're both fun games. I do. That is the rare puzzle game that I like. Cause I don't equate them. Well, you really like to falling puzzle blocks games. though. You like falling block puzzle games. That's what I mean. Yeah. These, okay. This is the one I kind of like versus the I don't style, like puzzle gotcha. games, but this style I do like. So I'm um, no, it was a fun, fun challenge. And I enjoyed my time playing them. Yes. I, I pulled up the game boy version of this game, which I believe is Japanese only. Um, okay. and, woof uh i'm sure the gameplay is there (laughs) i am the gameplay is there i'm sure but um it looks i mean there's no uh, extras there's no like fancy extras of anything this is a very vanilla oh you could do better on a commodore let's i would um oh Oh, yeah (laughs) this is way better (laughs) the coins i mean i know they have to you they have to do very obvious things to make sure you can tell the difference between that many different colors of coin so there's there's some limitations they have to make it kind of ugly to make it make the gameplay work um but yeah there it is man and it it looks it looks rough yeah um no i i think they did what they could but they're not this is not like it is very plain bare bones uh version of the game yeah i'm gonna check out the other versions go eric uh appreciate you buddy uh merry christmas yes um as of the release of this show christmas will be in 10 days yeah and uh yeah hope you have a a blessed rest of the year with your family and um you too great 2024 which we'll talk about on the next episode comes out on the 30th tim will be joining us and uh again we've got um Eric's Take, a game show. We're going to catch up. Six good games with snow in them. And our best of 2023 on the uh, on episode 121. Should be a big, a big episode. Perfect, perfect. So let's get those uh, last beers of the year ready. And for you and I, uh, Eric, it is but minutes away for everyone else. We'll see you in 15 days. Yep. And until then, remember... It's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account, that's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input, so hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. 